The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number 9. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm joined as always by the co-host with the most, the man behind the big horror and little podcast is of course Andy Blockley. How you doing sir? Yeah, how you doing mate? Pretty good, ready for our rape this evening. Oh my god, you know what? We've been bitching and moaning that we would love to get through an episode where there is no rape. Yeah. And um, I think we've been moaning that much that the gods have seen fit to stack up an episode where every single movie has rape. It's mental. It's just normalising rape a bit too much, I think, these video nasties. I think I think the one thing that, that kind of strengthens things, and we'll get into it later on, is, yeah, there's rape in uh, House on the Edge of the Park, there is rape, certainly an island of death, but um, I think the paling comparison, as, as you know, like we see these things, we've seen them in every movie. See when you watch I Spit in Your Grave, that's rape. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's- uh, it's, yeah. I kind of forgot how fucking vicious that was, and that was that was one of those sobering moments when you kind of realise that you can have all the sense of humour in the world with these things, but when you see that movie, there is yeah kind of hate humanity after it yeah well it's, it's the first time i've watched the rapes in its entirety because now i normally just fast forward through it because i'm oh, really to watch it yeah so this is the first time and I, like i said last week i got the uncut version yeah um which i don't think is that much longer to be honest it's it's probably 20 seconds or something but uh yeah it's the first time i sat through it and i actually timed her ordeal from start to finish i'll tell you how long it was when we get into the review yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a uh, pretty, pretty fucking graphic. Yeah. However, uh, before getting all doom and gloom and somber and rapey, um, let's uh, let's let's acknowledge the fact that yeah, this is episode number nine. Uh, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to. I've not been watching a lot of horror, to be honest. I've been saving up Blu-rays on the shelf 
Um, <laughs> same as me. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to watching them. And what have I been watching? We've been started watching Gotham. Oh right, how's that? It's all right actually. It's pretty good. Yeah, I quite like it. Um, mm-hmm. It was where we were having a discussion last night. Where we kind of couldn't work out what time period it was set in. Oh right. So Rach went online, and you'll have to go and check it out. Like the the response that the guy that does the show gave to what time period it's in. I think he just plucked it out of his ass. <laughs> he clearly not thought. He'd not thought it through, just going, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's my past, it's your past, it's your grandma's past. It's like, what? Oh, like, slap that man in the face. That's he should have just said, look, it's pretty timeless. Like, you know, there's certain aspects of certain kind of time periods. Like, there's nothing in it like mobile phones or anything that will particularly give it away. Um, yeah, yeah. Like clothes styling and stuff. Oh, I've just been told there is. There is. There's mobiles, but then there's 1940s clothes. Oh, there you go. And then there's, oh. eight, and then there's 80s cars. Right, yeah, so it is a bit of a mishmash. And then like the explanation that the guy gives that was my wife, by the way, if anyone's wondering. I've not just <laughs> Hi, I've, Rachel. Not, I've not gone all dressed to kill. <laughs> not... um, oh hello there, Mr. Doctor. This is Bobby. <laughs> Hi Bobby. You're like you're you're Michael Caine, that's a huge spoiler. Actually watched that the other day. That's something else. I, I love that movie. I, yeah. I don't care what anyone says, I fucking love that movie. It's it's fucking De Palma at his most fucking grimy and sleazy. I love it. No, it's cool. And uh, yeah, so anyway, Gotham, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I really like kind of where it's going, to be honest, because um, I didn't really fancy him. We just sort of watched the first episode and yeah, I kind of like what it's doing with all the characters. It's like introducing them all. The Penguin's kind of the best thing in it at the minute, um, but they've not really introduced everyone. I don't know where it's going to go because Batman's like quite a small child. Well, he's about 12 or something, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne. Uh, I don't know where the Joker and stuff's going to come in. I think it's, I don't know if it's on its second season. We're only about four episodes in. Um, but obviously, I don't want to look into it too much because I don't want any spoilers. So, yeah, I've been watching that and uh, I'm really enjoying it. What about you? Um, well, I'm kind of similar, but to you, I haven't actually been watching that much. Um, I did get the opportunity to appear on one of our listeners' shows, uh, Mike Murphy from the Badasses, Bibs and Body Counts podcast, uh, invited me over, cool. um, which was which was a lot of fun. I know he, he listens to the show religiously. Um, he's one of the first people to finish the episode of the show. You know, it's like literally just gets posted, and he's listened to it. And um, we discussed a movie called Chatterbox from nineteen. He told me, he messaged me about that. I'm going to download that episode then and get that listen. Oh my god! So it's basically about a woman whose fanny can talk and <laughs> sing. Um, now, for our American listeners, um, Fanny means something different over here. It means the the lady parts at the front and not at the back. Yeah, front bum, back bum. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, it sings and talks, and uh, it gets called Virginia. Uh, see what they did there? Um, Playing words, <laughs> clever. Yeah, um, it's fucking. Oh my god, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> Is it? Okay. The boom mic appears like more than any other cast member. Not out of the vagina. Like, every, no, like more than the vagina. The boom mic is everywhere. It's like they're filming a sequence and then the boom mic is in the back. You can see it. And once you see it, you can't take your eyes off it. You're like, right. why someone not moved that from the shot? Um, <laughs> but it was funny. I laughed a lot watching that. And I had a great time on that show. So uh, people should go over and check that. Um, Badasses, boobs and body camps. Um, and it's the most recent episode. Uh, I got I got a chance to feature on it. Um, out with that, uh, watching Bates Motel uh, okay. season three. Really enjoying that. I I kind of fell out with Bates Motel last season. Yeah. Um, I thought season two just meandered and went nowhere. Um, 
really it kind of got to that point where I got really frustrated with it as a TV program. Okay. Um, this one has kind of focused itself. It's got its cards in order. It seems a lot more kind of like it's trying to set up Norman as the character we know him. So they're started transitioning into more of Norman taking on the characteristics of mother. Okay. Um, How many are they doing before it kind of meets up to the first, you know, to the sixties movie? How many? Uh, well, I, I originally heard that they talked about a, a seven season story arc, okay, no. and that would be it finished. But I believe that the seventh season would encompass possibly maybe one or two of the films. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because it's a so, bit too long to wait, isn't it? Really? Oh God, yeah. I wouldn't watch seven seasons of him leading up to um uh, Janet Lee's character coming through the door. I wouldn't do it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth it for me. Um very much like how Hannibal Hannibal season three, uh which is gonna be coming like in the next couple of months. Oh, um, so excited. I can't tell you. Um, they're basically you know, they're already starting to launch information about that and the biggest part of that is Francis Dollarhide's gonna be in it. Okay, which, very awesome. Yeah, which is right so we're in Red Dragon territory. So we already kinda know Right, this is us now starting to cover the films yeah. um, properly. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So I'm that excited myself. <laughs> with excitement. Yeah, if you're going to the my, my thing is if you're going to do these sort of things, if you're going to take established characters from movies and you're going to try and make them into a TV show, to me, it's the perfect vehicle to do a bit of mythology on the character, mm. where the character came from. I, I mean, it's the sort of stuff that I hate when it's done in film. Yeah, like see if the, like for example the Halloween remake. Um, I hate the first half an hour of that okay. because I don't want to see why Michael Myers is a fucked up kid. I yep. just want Michael Myers to be a fucked up kid. So yeah. the fact he comes from a... And to me, it was always more scarier that Michael Myers came from what looked like respectable family. And well, yeah, because then there's no thing. reason for it, is there? Yeah, there's no reason. But then when you see Michael Myers getting beaten around by his fucking crippled stepfather who's an alcoholic and his mum's a prostitute um, or, or sorry a, call, a strip dancer sorry strip, a pole dancer they get um, funny about that don't they when you get the wrong one <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Andy uh, don't upset the the pros um, but we got you know, some we got any li- yeah come and join the fight to let us know on the Facebook page if you're a prostitute for a living just, just I, I get a feeling that we're going to get a lot of people claiming they're prostitutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> like Andy Clark will be on in a second. Yeah, uh, well, but it, it, he's in a band, and I was in a band. So technically, if you're in a band, you pretty much are a prostitute. Um, you just don't put out at the end. Um, so anyway, I so uh, you know that sort of thing it d- defeats the purpose for me in films. But I think in the environment of TV, it's perfect because you have plenty of time to really explore a character's motivations, background and all the rest. Yeah. So and that's what they've I think that's what they've been doing really well in Hannibal especially. Mm. But they're kinda hitting their stride again with Bates Motel. That, that T V show to me started off really strong and like I say season two just never really hit the mark for me and then we jumped on and got um the the rather rather cool season three which is almost finished now and uh it's doing everything right for me. So yeah, um I think that's awesome. uh but um we got um some feedback as yeah. we always do, uh, we yeah. found out that Bob has a fan club, which surprised you and myself equally. Little I believe the the fan club might be just Mike Murphy. Could be. I think there was one other one, but I don't know if that was just winding me up. <laughs> just kept, he just kept posting a picture of Bob with that blank stare, and I actually felt like Bob was crawling into my soul. It was like the ring coming out. <laughs> <of you. laughs> 
Samara crawled it. Yeah. Sadoku. Rear crawled at your telly. Uh, Sadoku, sorry. Um, not Sadoku, that's the fucking game with the numbers. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we had a by a woman called Sudoku. What was it? Yeah, hence Sudoku. It's not a leap of uh, <laughs> imagination, is it? But yeah, her name was Sudoku and she invented Sudoku. So There you go. I thought it was one of these ancient... See, she's tried to make her... Because her name sounds like an ancient Japanese game. She's, she's just played off that, Andy. I'm using what that. What a manipulative marketing bitch. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Good on long um, journeys, though. So, nah. keeps... <laughs> We also got a bit of feedback on the page, which I found it tickled my fancy. It made me laugh quite a bit. I thought it was very, very funny. Um, our, our, our good friend Vanessa, yeah, um, had commented about our intro, and in which there is a sp- specific audio clip that you picked as one of the f- one of the more famous clips. It's up there with your Mary Whitehouse. You know, I've never seen a nasty film. Um, yeah, you know, don't need to. You do. Yeah, I don't need to. Yeah, you yeah, kind of do. Um, but you, you, they thought they had misheard the, the 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 MP at the time, the Tory MP, the Conservative MP, saying that these films have an effect on dogs. Yeah. And we had to clarify. No, that is actually what he said. So, um, yeah. Andy, Andy, and the sp- Andy Clark said the same thing as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, guys, you are hearing them say that it not only affects young young people, but it affects dogs as well. Um, like Duncan said, it's the MP Graham Bright, um, who's now, a, he's been knighted, he's a knight of the yeah. realm, this guy. Yeah, now. he's Lord, um, Lord Bright, yeah, that's what he is, yeah, because that's mean, what happens. This, In this country, you fail upwards. See if you're a politician, you fail upwards, you just get promoted. You do. The, word, the more of a knobhead you are, the more likely you are <laughs> to often nail him. Think I'm a lord. It's insane. <laughs> So he basically comes on uh, on this. It's, it's on the uh, the censorship documentary that we get a lot of our information from, and where all the clips that precede the trailers come from. Um, and he said that scientists are they're going to do research. So he's not saying that the research has been done. He's saying <laughs> that the research is going to be done. And he's saying, and what it will show is that it not only affects young people, but it affects dogs as well. So he's basically <laughs> telling us what the outcome of the research is going to be before it's even happened. Yeah. That's point one, which just makes it ludicrous. And point two, of course that research never happened. Of course they're not testing it on dogs. It was just some of that ridiculous propaganda that was floating around. And I don't, it fucking blows my mind. And this guy, because the great thing about this documentary is I think a lot of these um, people that featured in the news about 20 years ago were obviously duped into doing this documentary because a lot of them stand fast on their opinions, not realizing, obviously not realizing that the documentary is going to completely ridicule them. They've signed their (laughs) release papers and it goes out because Graham Bright comes on the documentary it shows the footage from 20 years ago of him saying that, and then it has him on again, and he completely stands by what he said. He doesn't backtrack. He doesn't say, "I oh, know, you know, it was, it was of its time," and you know, of course, you know, there was a, you know, it was all blown out of proportion. He stands by it. He thinks this, you know, these video nasties are genuinely, even today, still corrupting people, and it's incredible. I will play the clip. <laughs> We've got the clip, and I'm going to play it. Kind of, there's a good sort of minute or so of it, and we'll play it now. They had this thing where they were trying to protect children, but what were they trying to protect children from? They thought the whole generation were going to become serial killers. There's footage, actually, of the uh, MP Graham Bright in the 1980s talking uh, about research that was being done uh, into video nasties. I believe that uh, 
research is taking place and it will show that these films not only affect young people but I believe they affect adults as well. Now the statement is is clearly uh, barking if you will excuse the pun um, but of course um, one of the problems again with, with what Bright is saying is that he's saying there's current research being undertaken which will prove. And it will show. So essentially he's saying uh, this research is still ongoing but I know what the outcome will be. That these films not only affect young people but I believe they affect adults as well. That, that these video nasties will affect dogs and children detrimentally. There's also the point, of course, that this research wasn't even finished. A report was published under the title Video Violence and Children from a group that called itself the Parliamentary Group Video Inquiry. Now that title's important. They were absolutely not a parliamentary group. They did have one or two MPs, Tim Sainsbury, for example. They did have a couple of lords, but they had no official status at all. However, calling themselves that, and indeed holding their meetings on parliamentary premises on a number of occasions, meant that they came with the imprimatur of being a parliamentary body. Um, yeah, and it's just mind-blowing. So, yeah, anyone else out there that thinks they're hearing, they're mishearing dogs, no, you're totally hearing dogs. People <laughs> in Britain, MPs now knights of the realm seem to think that these films were affecting dogs it's insane are your dogs affected at home duncan <laughs> um no but i have uh, two chihuahuas and um, if you photograph them a particular way they do look like satan anyway so <laughs> so they've already been so they have been more they, they, it's true actually then what he's saying is obviously right <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's just a it's a crazy thing. I think that's the beauty of that documentary. Like you highlight, is the fact that it shines a spotlight on the complete ridiculousness yeah. of a lot of what was behind that campaign, and it was all per- it was all perpetrated by by right wing media. All these like the, the same people that are now, you know, that that go from they go from like thing to thing. You know what I mean? Like hmm. when they couldn't go through the movies, they then started to try and regu- regulate music. Okay. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of the reasons that like a lot of my CDs like when I was like really really into my music were all a lot of heavy metal stuff and all the rest and they all had parental advisories because that was something that they did and it became a video a, a war on video games yeah. and, and what and this is what these people do they just go from one morality expedition to another um, you know making comments and conversations on things that they don't know and don't understand and it's it's particularly poignant when we go on to talk about I Spit in Your Grave because that that one is like we talk about poster childs right right and I Spit in Your Grave might not have been the 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 front cover that was shown the most in the campaign but I Spit in Your Grave is one of the main it was one of the ones that had the pitchforks and the the flaming torches and the media the right wing media beaten on the door because of the the video rapist at the time who claimed that after seeing I Spit in Your Grave it caused him to rape someone and the judge believed him (laughs) (laughs) yeah unbelievable and they would as smart as judges are supposed to be and I don't really think they're probably that smart a lot of them he's going to be um, pulled in by the propaganda just as much as everybody else is so, you know, in the height of the video nasties frenzy, it's the perfect excuse. It's the perfect, uh, what do you call it? Scapegoat. Yeah, the perfect scapegoat, the perfect defence in court. I'm really sorry, Your Honour, I've been corrupted by these terrible videos, you know, sitting there with the, you know, the, the, the soppy look on your face. I'm really sorry, it was the videos. And what, so you're telling me nobody got raped before 1978, before <laughs> yeah. after a new grave came out? I mean, it, it apparently raped two women, I think, one night after the other. 
and yeah. so went on a little bit of a spree um, blamed, yeah. blamed them and I'm sure he still did time for it but obviously what that then did to the video nasties was just make it even more of this big uproar thing because yeah you wouldn't want to be you wouldn't want to be the judge you know proceeding over the case which has you know millions of readers of newspapers and newspaper columnists and reporters all basically having said this guy is influenced by this smut you don't want to be the guy to say well actually there's no evidence of that. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know? You can't even if you thought this is a load of shit. There's no way the film is responsible. You can't fucking say that. You'd be fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you no, like no one. You, anyone would lose any kind of faith and trust in you as a judge. Yeah. So, which is fucking mental. But like, just going back to the documentary, there's an amazing guy, and I can't remember his name, which is a shame. It'd be nice to give him a little shout out, even though I'm sure he'll never listen to this show. But a guy <laughs> that basically stood up and said, "This is nonsense." These films mm-hmm. are not corrupting people. This is a load of bullshit. And the, the poor guy was fucking hounded, you know, and he said it was a really kind of terrifying time in his life because people were camping out outside his house and, you know, to get stories from him. And, yeah, just because he was one of the only people that turned around and said, this is bullshit, this is mm-hmm. nonsense. Um, yeah, so, yeah, of course, you can understand that no one's going to actually publicly turn around and say that because at the time you're going to be in such a minority it's just not yeah. worth opening your mouth, even if that's what you did think. As it's my god, it's like you, you kind of think, like I, I like every now and again, like in prep for one of these shows, I just think about like the fact that these seventy-two movies became like the, the you know seventy-two movies were at one point banned in this country in the space of two years, yeah, just completely banned, and that still blows my mind. Uh, there's a great, there's a great. Um, quote from the director of um, Island of Death okay which I will put in uh, probably after we do that review after yeah. we do the Island of Death review where basically he talks about censorship okay and it's 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 a fantastic quote and basically you know what he says is uh, censorship is you know it, it's the it's a new form of totalitarian state where he doesn't believe that it should be there because all it does is uh, all it does is prove that people are trying to control the masses by telling them what they can and can't watch, and that's not freedom. And I, you know, I, I agree with him a hundred percent. It's a shame he didn't make a better movie. But uh, with that in mind, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we're, we're, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. Uh, Andy's going to lead us on our first review, which is 1980s House in the Edge of uh, the Park which is directed by our good friend uh, Ruggiero Diodato, oh, yeah, uh, the man too. behind Cannibal Holocaust. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, a disclaimer here, this uh, this movie and review may feature the word rape. <laughs> so, this whole episode. Yeah, this whole episode. I, I, I do want to stress that. I know we're laughing and all the rest. It's really the only way we can get through this subject matter because all three of these films have blatant on-screen rape yeah so, um, by the time we get to i spit on your grave you you know our, our clear feelings are will be i think quite apparent that it's not we're not joking about this stuff this is pretty, yeah. uh, pretty brutal yeah definitely definitely so we're going to take a break you're going to hear a trailer for a show on the horophilia podcast network where you can listen to this show exclusively followed by some wise words from learned individuals telling us why house on the edge of park me have been banned and we're going to be right back to discuss that film right after this i'm cootie and my name is x we're the hosts of kiss the goat now this has nothing to do with farming or bestiality 
In fact, there seems to be a little confusion about what Kiss the Goat is precisely about. Well, first and foremost, it's a company show. No. First and foremost, it's about devil movies, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, right, but there's also a drinking game on every episode. Well, yeah, okay, but there's also a news segment on each show detailing the weird battle between good and evil. Okay, but there are also a lot of running gags. Well, yeah, but we also answer any and all questions from our listeners, and sometimes that gets pretty deep. But there are also terrible puns and foul language and a hefty dose of irreverence and light-hearted blasphemy. <laughs> there is that. Well, I think it's safe to say that there's nothing quite like Kiss the Goat anywhere else out there. Yeah, we don't even know what it's about, and we created the damn thing. <laughs> so join us, won't you, on Kiss the Goat, exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network. We make evil fun. Or we make fun evil. We, we don't know. 1980 was clearly a bumpy year of brutality for Ruggiero Diodato. Not only had he released Cannibal Holocaust, the most notorious of all the video nasties, but it also directed House on the Edge of the Park, which was also banned on video. Both films were released in the UK in 1982 to a storm of controversy. Essentially, House on the Edge of the Park is a home invasion movie in which two disco dancing serial killers run amok with a cutthroat razor uh, in a bourgeois house party. It has to be said the theme of the home invasion movie had become extremely popular in the 1970s, particularly in Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Some of these home invasion movies tended to be extremely brutal, though it has to be said that the body count in House on the Edge of the Park is actually relatively low. We only see two people on screen being killed, one of whom being the key villain Alex, played by David Hess. Welcome back. So, our first movie of the evening um, is, uh, like Duncan said, it's from Ruggiero Diodato uh, from 1980, and it's House on the Edge of the Park. Uh, so, obviously, an Italian film um, by the same director that did Cannibal Holocaust. So, I'm kind of thinking, is this going to be Diodato meets a home invasion movie? <laughs> Not really. Um, he made this one before, he officially made this one before Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. So this this one this one took a bit longer to, to actually come out officially, but this right. one was shot this was shot beforehand. So okay, um, which in some respects it doesn't make any sense to me because I would imagine if you'd made a film like Cannibal Holocaust, got the backlash of that, your next film that you did would probably be a bit more subdued in terms of of me well subdued in terms of animal violence which this certainly is there's no animal violence in this movie at all yeah. however this one is like there's certain bits in this that are just fucking horrific i mean like really really horrific um and 
Yeah, yeah, go for it, Andy. Get, get let's let's get in, let's get involved with this one here. Yeah, I mean, this was released in November '82, and the UK added to the list in July '83, so it didn't even get a year's worth before it was pulled. I mean, it's got David Hess in it, who's pretty much sort of a '70s '80s dialer rapist, I think. <laughs> He's going to feature next week's episode when we do um, Last House on the Left. Yeah, which obviously was the before this movie, but I think he kind of got to the point where if if you are looking for a really kind of nasty rapist in the movie. David Hesse's go-to guy. <laughs> Hiya! <laughs> yeah, all right, because, I mean, I've seen uh, on, on The Last House on the Left special features on the three-disc DVD you can get over here in the UK. He seems like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just he had that look about him and he had that presence. I mean, and to be honest, he is the only one in this movie for me who's kind of got any presence. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, come, I'll come to my theory on that. I, I do have a distinct theory on why everyone else seems to be devoid of... Uh, any sort of yeah, I mean, it kind of becomes clear. At, yeah, it kind of becomes clear at the end, sort of why that might be the case. I mean, the film opens with him just, just kind of cutting a woman up in in the car. She's in her car, he's in his car. He kind of like cuts her off, uh, jumps in the car with her, rapes her, and strangles her. Um, so, I mean, I thought to be honest, the film could have done without that. I mean, there's a there's a really shitty twist at the end, which kind of explains why we needed to see that. But for me, it would have been better if we didn't get that opening rape. Because you're not quite sure how these two guys are introduced to, who's going to be the lunatic. And to be honest, out of the group of people that we end up meeting at the party, I'm not really sure who the fucking bigger weirdos are. Well, yeah, David Hesse yeah. is strange. His mate with the weird little voice. Or, yeah, he's strange. You know, the, I mean, there's one woman at the party that looks like a fucking human man. <laughs> he looks like Grace Jones from Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, but like. <laughs> She's so fucking weird looking. If you still like, if I was home and I decided that, that was the look for me, I'd hang around near shop windows, just terrifying. Boo. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the the couple of the, like um, the woman that he rapes at the beginning is actually his wife in real life. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I think he because there's. I, I was doing a bit. Of, I was doing a bit of reading into this movie um, last week. Right. And it turns out that. Um, in order for Diodato had decided when he wrote this movie that the rapist in question was going to be David Hess because he loved Last House on the Left, loved that yeah. movie. So yeah. um, he basically, to entice him to star in the role, he gave him half the rights to the film. Okay. And then apparently um, David Hess then rewrote a lot of the dialogue to make it more his movie. Right, okay. Um, which kind of makes sense because like Hess's performance in it, there's a lot of things that he says which... I don't know, seem quite real to that character, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, they don't sound like... When you hear some of the other characters talk, you're like, I can't believe those words are coming out of your mouth. But his all sound quite... <clears throat> even though they're cheesy, they sound quite organic. Yeah, um, he, sat, yeah he totally sounds genuine. He, yeah. Uh, he's actually a pretty good actor. I mean, the, I don't... Like, his mate, I think he's from Cannibal Ferox, isn't he, the other one? That's right, yep. From uh, Cannibal Apocalypse as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's his voice, but he's dubbed over with the weirdest, like, cartoon villain voice. Yeah, it's really strange. It's quite off-putting as well, actually. And um, I think I think the thing about it is that I think he decided that because they were doing the rape sequence at the beginning, they wanted to do it with someone that would be comfortable with the actions he was doing on screen, so he got his wife to do it. Um, but apparently, <clears throat> he doesn't talk about it anymore. Okay. Doesn't, he doesn't like discussing it. Right. Um, and, yeah... Like I know you're saying that you don't think it needs to be there. I, I'm, to me, 
the movie as a whole. This is the first time you've seen it, yeah? Yeah. Right, this is the second time I've seen this movie. Um, to me, it kind of, coming back and watching it a second time, um, and it's been a fair few years since I saw it, um, coming back to see it a second time, I, and I actually had the wrong movie in mind, I thought this movie was, the one I was thinking about, I thought was uh, Don't Go Into The House. Okay. Um, and then when I was sitting down and watching, I was like, oh, this is House on the Edge of the Park. All right, <laughs> this makes a bit more sense now. Um, so kind of going back and watching this one again, um, you are right, the ending is a kind of weird, shitty justification for the rape at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I still think there's a malevolence about the plot of what is happening later on in the movie, which... I mean, this is this is this is Diodato trying to do a kind of last house on the left sort of thing. So basically, you've got yeah. is you've got character, well, a character who rapes someone at the beginning um, in a horrible, horrible way, and then ends up instead of randomly ending up, uh, and we're going to give a big big spoiler away here <clears throat> at a relative's house of the person that is raped and murdered. Um, no, it's not deliberate because I'm led to believe that's deliberate. Yeah, well, uh, what in, in last house on the left? No. Oh, sorry. No, in this. Yeah, it is deliberate in this. Basically, well, what how much did they know they were going to be there? Right. Well, basically, what what I believe, what I think has happened is, and he explains it briefly at the end. And it, to be honest, it's not very well explained. I would have loved a bit more explanation, but as Diodato, we're lucky we get any any explanation <laughs> at all. So basically, what you've got is a scenario where he rapes at the beginning um, this woman, yeah, and in, in the most horrible way. And uh, he gets let off with it. Uh, the police don't prosecute. The police, like for whatever reason, don't arrest him, really. So the brother knows who he is. So the brother sets up this elaborate right. plan. So we suppose that that's all off screen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we don't see that. Because basically it's seamless between he rapes her, it doesn't give you any time period. The next thing we know, right. he's with his mate, they're, they're getting ready. There's these, this couple come in... Um, with some sort of fake problem uh, to do with the vehicle, um, they invite them back to the house for a party. These guys are very rich. Lucky, lucky that they knew his mate would be a good mechanic and would spot the alternator wire loose. Yeah, yeah, that was well, very think... fucking convenient, isn't it? <laughs> it's a movie, Andy. Um, so they end up back at the house anyway, and instantly David Hess' character starts to dislike these people because they've got money. They're, they're everything that he's I not. don't think that's the only reason he dislikes them because I fucking hated him. Yeah, but I think I, I don't know how much of their way that they're acting is to antagonize him to do things because at the end, yeah, that when makes they, sense. yeah, when, I think they like they deliberately try and ridicule the guy when he's he's dancing. She yeah. deliberately leads him on in the shower and then leaves him in the shower without any clothes, you know, t- turns them on, cock-teases them, and then leaves them. Um, they deliberately cheat at poker, you know, all these ways to basically get him in a position where he will act out violently, so yeah. when they harm him, or kill him, they can claim it's self-defence, because look at them, they are rich, affluent people, yeah. and they, you know, they, they're, they're everything that's right with society. And look at this mm-hmm. mean man here, who was potentially done for rape earlier on, who's come out of their house with his knife and tried to kill them, and they've acted in self-defence. So yeah. it's basically, they're set, it's like this big game they're doing. The thing for me about it is, there's a, a muddiness to, to the... Even when that explanation is given at the end as to why things have went the way they've done, I still don't then suddenly think, oh, well, that character's justified for what he's done. I don't like him. 
I don't like the brother. I don't like any of the people in that house at all. I hate them all equally. That's it. And I think that's where the movie fails on you know on a big level for me is at the end when that reveal should come in, I should be like, yeah, get him. It's like when you watch something like Hard Candy, right? Mm. And when you watch like a movie like Hard Candy, um, which I'll mention again when we come to I Spit in Your Grave, but when you watch a movie like that and you don't understand why this little girl um, is being so horrible to this guy who claims his innocence... Yeah. Until the reveal at the end when she yeah. basically comes out. And I won't spoil that because I advocate everyone checks that movie. That works. Yeah, and then I totally yeah. think, oh, Ellen Page, you're t- you know, I, f- I feel for your character and this guy, I hate this character now and all the rest because they've done enough of the character development and the characters feel realistic. Mm. They don't in this movie. They're kind of... It's on some level... It's almost like a weird kind of cross between, between Craven and Cronenberg. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a weird cross between Shivers and Last House on the Left, yeah. And that these affluent people are not nice at all. I, do, I no. don't feel anything for them. No, and, I mean that's what I know is within the first five minutes. I thought these are not sympathetic characters, and obviously it makes sense if you watched it the second time or you knew what the ending was, why they're being such dicks. But by that point, it doesn't really matter. I don't care anymore. So yeah. I don't. Do you know what I mean? I'm not bothered that that's the reason they've been dickheads. You don't all of a sudden go, oh, that's why they're dickheads. For me, I just rolled my eyes at that twist at the end because I just thought it's ridiculous. Like they, he beats the shit out of one guy, and it's a good half an hour, forty five minutes before the guy pulls the gun, which is obviously he's, he's you know he's planted this gun in his house because he's planning to like you say make them do terrible things and then kill them in self defence. But it's. Like, it's so badly executed as a plan of revenge. Like, why haven't you got the gun on you, for one? Why are you letting him rape and humiliate and beat people without doing anything? If mm. your plan all along was to do that and then pull a gun out, where's the gun? Why have you hid it in a drawer that you can't... It just didn't make any sense to me. It almost felt like, I think it was that badly executed, it almost felt like the twist was an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, and I quite... On some level... I. I quite like the idea that this guy... I don't like the idea that he allows a lot of things to happen to everyone else. I can understand why he antagonises and gets his face smashed off things to the point so there's visible injuries. Even that wee nick that he gets in the side of his face with the, the, the open blade. I mean, you can fake that sort of thing, but the, yeah. the, 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 pun- the punching that him and the other male character get, I can understand that to an extent. Yeah. The fact that he lets like female characters be... Molested and uh, and and raped as well. Slashed. I mean, yeah, one of- it doesn't really. That doesn't compute with me. And the thing is that they appear to all be in on it, and I don't get that either. I can understand someone saying, "I will help you." I mean, if you came to me tomorrow and said, "Listen, this dude's fucking messed messed with my wife um, in a horrible way, and I'm going to get payback. Are you going to help me?" I would say as your friend, yes, I will help you. If you then said, well, all that will need to happen is you'll need to get beaten up and your wife will have to be raped and you have to be slapped, I'd be like, sorry, Andy. <laughs> I was kind of thinking maybe I could give you an alibi. Yeah, or uh, maybe loan, a bit of a slap. Loan <laughs> you a tenor or drive the car. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, there's a huge, you have to take a huge leap in terms of the storytelling, and I just don't quite buy it. It's it's far too much of a leap. It's a canyon you're expected to leap over, and it's it's not happening. Yeah. Like, the, and also the most ridiculous thing is, if your entire thing was to set up that it's you've killed them in self-defence, 
You can't kill. You can't shoot him twelve times while he's face down in the swimming. You pool. can't shoot him in the cock. That's the first thing. The first thing you cannot do. That is not a self-defense shot. Well, that's it. And if someone's laying face down in the swimming pool dead, they're no longer a threat. So you can't use the self-defense thing. Yeah. His little bullshit line at the end. Oh, it's really easy for a gun just to go off and empty the clip before it's even happened. Not from five or six different people, it isn't you, idiot? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know like forensics probably wasn't what it is today in the eighties, but I'm sure they could tell that that gun was fired from multiple different angles by multiple people. Yeah, and I know we've probably been spoiled by stuff like CSI, where you do question <laughs> things like that. Do you know what I mean? Because people, God damn so, you, Grissom. Yeah, I mean people are so forensically aware now that kind of bullshit just doesn't wash. But for me, it's it's just poor. It's very fucking poor. Uh, you know, writing and, and the story that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, ultimately, what he, I think what Diodato, what he wanted to do, um, is do a home invasion movie. That's that's what yeah. that was what that's what his aim was. He wanted to do his last house on the left, yeah. and I think there's a lot in this movie that is, I mean that 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 the the way that's set up at the beginning with the rape, and even at the point where I mean that character, you see her lady parts. In great detail when her when her clothes are being torn off her, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and all the rest is very graphic, and there's something very violent about it. So that on that level is definitely, definitely there with with the the, the kind of the, the scenarios that you get in at the start of Last House on the Left. Where Last House on the Left differs is that the story is better told, as as it makes more sense that these characters do so many horrible things. Yeah. And then at the end they get their comeuppance. And this one, our character does a horrible thing at the start and then we plod through this. Well, who's the bad guy? Because the the movie almost sets up David Hess to an extent when we end up at the house and bad things start happening to him as if Hess is the goody. If he's mm. the you know, the protagonist. Yeah. And these people in the house are an antagonist. And I think there's there's a weird line that the movie doesn't seem to to be able to kind of draw where we are kind of this is this is a good person this is a bad person mm-hmm. and i and i don't know how much of that is deliberate if it is deliberate then it should have been executed far better yeah or if it is accidental like you say they get to the point where they're like we need an ending to this movie oh well we'll, we'll maybe tie it into the rape uh we'll just say he's his brother and this is ju- his justification for doing it because that whole being related to someone like i say is done in last house on the left yeah. which makes me think this is very much like a lot of that italian cinema of the time is basically the italians taking what the americans are doing but like and turning then, it up to 11 and pretending they haven't because diodato as he did with as the other guy did with cannibal ferox yeah, said, no, I, I didn't. Want, I didn't base it on Last House on the Left. Yeah, it clearly is. It's yes, clear. Yes, you, 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 you got the guy from Last House on the Left to do <laughs> another rape in it. That to me That's means it. that you, yeah, you did. It's like really. Um, so I mean, the the thing for me about this movie, the 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 level where I think it is very effective is Hess. Hess's performance is phenomenal in this movie. Mm-hmm. He, he has amplification of his rage and his, his crazed sort of rage in this movie is brilliant because you can chart it. At the beginning, mm. it's first he's annoyed, then he's he's getting slightly more annoyed, then he doesn't want his friend, he thinks his friend's been taken a fill of, so that upsets him, and then, yeah. it, you know, t- to the point where, you know, eventually the knife comes out, and when the knife comes out, his character becomes the most sadistic thing about this movie. Yeah. Um, and even the cold 
performance of the brother who shoots, you know, shoots someone and whatnot, um, doesn't, you know, doesn't come out like close at all to David Hess, who's, which to me is the main reason, if any reason, to watch this movie is to yeah. watch Hess's performance because he is, in my opinion, one of the best villains we've seen, like clear cut villains we've seen. In a yeah. nasty thus far, because yeah, he, he's just he's completely reprehensible, and there's at no point do I want anything nice to happen to him. No, at all. But I will I will say just going back to what I said at the beginning about not seeing him rape that woman. I think because if you'd not seen Last House on the Left and you didn't know he'd kind of been typecast as a rapist, mm-hmm. because of how antagonistic the people in the house are. I still think it would have been a better twist at the end to find out that he'd raped that guy's sister. I don't know how they kind of would have worked it in. I mean, I'm sure it couldn't have been any worse than the way they did work the twist in. But he, um, I don't know. I, I think it would have been good to be constantly wondering who are the people that are who are being threatened here. Yeah. Because you know I, it's the kind of the yuppie rich people that are always being threatened. And I think if we hadn't have seen that initial opening rape, I think I wouldn't have been sure who's taking who for a ride here. Yeah. Who's going to suddenly turn? Have those guys lured these people into their houses because they're psychos? And But obviously that's never the case because of you know the opening rape scene. Yeah. Um, it always, yeah. always links back to it. does. It links back to that. I sent you a message, I think, posted it on the page within the first minute you get a rape sequence in this yeah, movie. And that pretty much sets up this movie from then onwards. It's Yeah. I mean and it is a pretty nasty rape. I mean for me like the one of the main sort of things that I think makes it a candidate for the list is the um like the blurred lines between the rape and the consent, which yeah. again it's one of the things that becomes more clear when the twist happens as to why that's the case. But, you know, there's a woman Yes, the the old like James Bond method of seduction that we've joked about before. You know, James Bond will come on to a woman and she will fight him off for a bit, and then eventually she'll give up. And it's a bit like that with David Hess and this woman. He, he's yeah. trying it on, and she's obviously done the. I mean, the most insane cock tease you've ever seen. You know, soaping up your titties and that in the shower, getting someone mm-hmm. to shower with you, and then going, "See ya." Yeah. I mean, brutal. You know, and um, but uh, what was I saying? It's the bloodlines between... Yeah, because the... he eventually ends up in bed with this woman and she's initially resisting, but then they have sex in the end. Mm-hmm. So it's that thing of, you know, it doesn't really give a very good message that if a woman's not up for it, if you force yourself onto her and keep at it, you know, keep, um, keep persisting, eventually she'll just give up and shag you. And I think that's a really fucking dangerous kind of message to give. Yeah. And when I the mean... end... Sorry. When the ending of the film happens, it becomes obvious kind of why that's happened. But she's up for it with him all along. I think mm-hmm. he, even though she's meant to be on it, she's clearly sexually attracted to him, and she's up for a bit of David Hess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I mean, like the worst thing for me is is just how young the girl that gets kind of humiliated, stripped, and then finally is kind of really slashed up quite badly with a cutthroat razor. Yeah. I don't know how old she's meant to be, but she's not very. She quick. looks. She looks young. She looks yeah. very young, and it is the, to me that's the that's when the the film takes because there's a lot of, the fight sequences are very very goofy in this movie. <laughs> they're yeah. they're painfully they're like like early seventies sort of exploitation fighting. Yeah, you know, punches miles away and and all the rest. But when she comes in, the movie takes this completely sinister turn and um you said there was some bits that quite disturbed you in this what other bits what apart from like the rape at the beginning and the girl i think the rape at the beginning's uh, on some level fairly terrifying because he barges his way into her car yeah 
And I think about it now, today people are a bit more savvy about do not let people into your car and whatnot, but you know, he pulls he pulls his car in front of her, he's in the car within seconds, mm. he has her go where he wants, he has her in the boot and he it's it's it's, it's it's horrible, um, and then the the girl, the the young girl, is is uh, to me that's pretty uncomfortable to watch um, because there's no the the camera almost leers over her. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not shot for for shock. There's a, almost a weird kind of sexual per, uh, perversion from the the you know from the director's point, which yeah, I it's find titillation, and that is the thing that the BBFC have the main problem with, and that's the reason. Obviously, we'll come on to this, but that's the reason I spit on your grave is still on not available uncut in the UK. Yeah, is when it's not particularly important to the plot, they're just lingering on tits for the sake of lingering on tits, and that is actually worse apparently than than showing the rape because at least the rape is a part of the plot. Yes, whereas yeah, a yeah. woman in distress and humiliated and upset. We still get to see her boobs. Like, obviously, that's really fucking out of order because that is just pure exploitation, isn't it? And like I say, it's it's, it's for titillation purposes. Yeah. And that isn't really what should be considered entertainment. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, it lingers on it a bit too long. When she's it does. Sick. I think I, I think the camera is very leery on it, and I, I, that to me is about uh, that's that's quite uncomfortable. Um, the, the the only other thing that I find quite. I, I, disturbing, I think, is like Hesse's performance at times, where he's, it's, it's that we've. I think we've talked about it before. If we've, we've not talked about it on air, we've certainly talked about it off air about how, um, like the, the reason I think, I'm not a huge fan of home invasion, but the reason that I gravitate more towards horror movies that are more set in real life as opposed to, like vampires and shit like that, is that human beings do these things. Yeah. We're, we're, we're as a species, we're pretty fucking horrible. Um, we're, and bar- we're fucking barbaric. We, we are, and, and there's there's still a lot of people out there that I mean, rapes happen all the time. There's there's a rape probably happening right now, um, somewhere well, in the world, and that's 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 pretty terrifying. And these people just do it. They they take what they they want without consideration. And um, Hesse's performance is the the kind of the epitome of all that. He's he's you know. And the, the, his cycle of ideas and thoughts get more sadistic in this movie, and yeah. we hear them like as you can see them just like appear in his mind. And the next thing is like that, where you can pick whatever woman you want, and he's like, "Oh, you're letting me go first, and I want yeah. this woman here." And he's like that. He's like, I'll, "You know, I'll take her upstairs." And he's like, "No, do her down here so we can all see." And I'm just like, and he just seems to be when his friend can't go through with it, yeah, like go through with it, the rage that he has for that. And mm. the contempt is, you know, that you realise that David Hess is only out for David Hess in this movie. Yeah. The friend that he's supposed to be looking after is not really his friend. No. Um, he's just a, a vehicle for entertainment for him. And there's something there's something quite disturbing about that. I, I think it's his performance that sells that in the hands of maybe a lesser actor. Um, mm. I don't think it would have the same impact or gravitas, but I think his performance, like I say, sells this movie. It's pretty much the only reason I would say check out House on the Edge of the Park is to see and what I consider now is an iconic villain performance mm. yeah. by by Hess. I think he's I think he's excellent in this movie. Yeah, it's just the little facial expressions and stuff. He's totally in that part. Yeah. And uh he he wasn't an actor, you know, before he did uh, Last House on the Left. I did not know that. He basically was 
a, a guy tried out for the role of Krug in Last mm-hmm. House on the Left. He didn't get the part. He said, I know who will be perfect for this. He said, my sister's boyfriend, it'll be fucking brilliant. And the sister's boyfriend was David Hesse. He came and read for the role and was given the part immediately. Jesus. So he'd never acted before. Well, I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, for me, there's something mental about that. They went, are you looking for a rapist? The person, the the fella going out of my sister would be brilliant for that. (laughs) Yeah, it's that that sort of... So that's the thing where you think if about. I was if I like if if the first per, if the first thing that sprung to mind when someone was after a rapist was the bloke going out on my sister, <laughs> I think hang on a minute, that's something not quite right here. But no, he popped to mind instantly. Went, you're looking for a rapist? Brilliant. My don't my sister's boyfriend, and he got the part, and that's kind of where it went from there. And he, he is he's basically Krug, Krug, isn't he? From Last House on the Left in this, it, yes, it's just he's, a yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I, the other thing I would say is I quite like the score about this movie as well. I think the score is once again, it's quite, it's very juxtaposed against the violence. There's yeah, there's some funk and disco in there as well, but yeah. there's some kind of serene music sequences that play over some terrible things that happen in this movie, which yeah. kind of evokes that cannibal holocaust thing again. The yeah. kind of the Mondo music soundtrack over the top of the the violence as well so I think it's used really well I think it's actually shot really well I mean the movie cost very very little to make and to be honest with you I don't think it feels like an overtly cheap movie other than the fact it's all shot in one location pretty much yeah, um, yeah. yeah and I mean I don't think it's a I think there's there's some issues with the writing certainly um, that, that, that could have been fleshed out a bit more development I think with the brother character I think would have went a long way in this movie but yeah. I still think I, I mean I can see why it's on the list. Um, I, I can see why it made its way to the list. Um, yeah. Will we grade it? Or, do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, I think I'm about done. I mean, it, it, the, the the kind of the main thing to me is that I mean, when you kind of know what the twist is, it may everything that you've just watched makes a lot more sense. But for me, it doesn't make a lot more sense in a sixth sense. Oh my God, yeah, fuck, he was dead all along. And then you go back and watch it and go, oh, God, look, she never really spoke to me in the restaurant and all this. Mm. When the twist happens for me, I literally just rolled my eyes and went, oh, right, okay. And then it should have had a lot more impact than that. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's just, it's bad. Like the script is awful. I mean, again, the bad acting can be kind of justified by the fact that they're the reason that they've got them in the house. Like nobody's reacting to the horrendous shit that's happening. And that obviously goes back to what you say that everybody's kind of in on it. Yeah. In on this in in on this game. But, you know, like you said at the beginning, helping your mate out is one thing. Agreeing to be molested, humiliated, beaten and potentially raped and murdered, no one's gonna agree to that. <laughs> Yeah. And no one's going to be able to go through with that and, and, and play the role well enough. It's just too unrealistic. Even for 1980, for me, yeah. it's, it's too laughably bad to, to, to be too disturbing. I mean, I'm not, the rape at the beginning was pretty, was pretty bad, I suppose. But I don't know. I didn't, that was the worst thing about it. And if, I had have, if that rape had have happened, say, after the five minutes of watching... You know David Hess's character and his mate dancing and going, "Oh, let's boogie, let's go off and do some boogieing." Mm-hmm. It would have had a lot less impact because all of a sudden you think, "Oh, this is a bit a bit jokey than this film. It's a bit daft. It's not it's not meant to be serious." Mm-hmm. Um, which then, when we get to the, the the scene where they're kind of cutting the girl, 
even though that should be really horrendous and the main problem that I've got is how young she looks but for me like because the acting and the script and everything's so bad and it's got that Daft Mondo music I didn't really find that slashing up with the girl that disturbing right the 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 in principle it is but just because of how shit for me the rest of the film was in the way it was put together I don't know, it just, like, I'd seen too much crap stuff for that mm. to be that impactful for me, even though it should have been horrendous. And, like, when you talk about it as an isolated scene, and in theory, it is brutal. Yeah. And, like you say, it lingers on her and she's clearly distressed and stuff. But just because the rest of the film is so kind of jokey and I just couldn't take it seriously, like, mm-hmm. it, it didn't have the impact it probably should have had. So I'm really torn on whether just to give it a slap on the wrist or a bit of community service. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like you say, wouldn't you know what the twist is? Like the kind of the, the fact that no, no one's reacting to the violence does make a bit more sense. But I think it's so poorly done, it just looks like bad acting up until that point. And I think like you can't tell me a twist at the end of a movie that then makes me go, oh, right, the last hour and a half of terrible acting that was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> work like yeah. that. Yeah. So I think I can only really give this a slap on the wrist. It's the high end of the slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to raise my hand really high and give you a really hard slap. <laughs> but it's just teetering under community service for me just because it, it was just a bit too shit for me to, to, be, too, to be pulled in and disturbed. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if I hadn't have watched I Spit On Your Grave before it, because, I mean, like we said at the beginning, if you, if you want a fucking horrible, brutal rape oh, scene, yes. that's like... a fucking rape scene. This is just not that bad for me. Um, yeah. It's dear Dato, so I'm expecting something fucking amazing, because for me, Cannibal Holocaust is the best film we've seen so far. I would agree with that, yeah. It's yeah. fucking brilliant. Uh, however brutal it is, and however hard to watch some of the scenes are, Cinematically, it's a fucking amazing film. So it's when it's I the saw, best put together movie, yeah, by far. When I saw the Dear Data ad uh, was doing this one, I thought, oh my god, I wasn't looking forward to it because I immediately thought, oh my god, this is going to be horrendous. This is basically Dear Data does home invasion, and oh my, and I was thinking, fucking hell, like this is going to be brutal, mm-hmm. and it didn't follow through. So I think he's also kind of there's that stigma attached because of how brutal kind of a Holocaust was. This should have been like up there. Yeah. And I know you say you did this one first, <clears throat> but, you know, come on, mate, like, you, you pretty much released them at the same time. I don't understand how one director can go from something so brilliant to something so crap mm-hmm. within the space of probably 12 months. Um, so it's only getting a slap on the wrist from me. What about you? Um, it gets community service from me. Um, okay. I'm, I'm quite comfortable. I'm not saying it's high-end community service or low-end. I would probably. say it's right, in, as, yeah, it's right in the middle of of um, community service for me. I think, like I say, the the rape sequence at the beginning is fairly brutal for the time. Um, the the shots with a younger looking girl who, yeah, I think we definitely did an age check on that. Because um, she does look quite young. Um, yeah. The way that whole sequence is set out is, is kind of, uh, uh, to me, is a bit dodgy. Um, Hesse's performance to me like I said before and I'll say it again is the reason you check out this movie it's the the, and I understand like when when I read things that say you know he went off and rewrote his part and all the rest makes sense to me because his character's the only one that really feels three dimensional natural but he's he's to me he's the best villain we've seen out of all the movies so far Uh, I think he's 
completely reprehensible and I want you know the, the the even the ludicrousness of that scene where he gets shot in the cock and he lets out this slow motion cry which goes on for about a minute it's and it's funny as fuck it's it hilarious it's, it's literally like he's holding a note yeah. oh. <laughs> it's, it's fucking it's hilarious yeah. but um, you know his character sells things all the way up to that point was such a menace that once as once that happens, it kind of reminds me in some extent. See when you watch Death Proof, yeah, right. And Death Proof, you know that movie is a movie of two halves. And in the first yeah. half, Kurt Russell is just the most menacing, evil, fucking horrible character, yeah, ever. And even right up to the end, he still kind of is. But when he crawls out that car, oh god, no! Yeah, or when he's been shot, awesome. and he, he cries like a little girl. And I love yeah. that movie. Fucking love that movie. But I do. Yeah, oh, it's fucking brilliant. I know there's a lot of people here, but fuck you. Um, and you know he's like when he comes, like when he gets shot, and all of a sudden you hear him crying and all the rest, and his character becomes, you know, it, it, the, the whole stigma of him being this badass and this menacing killer is completely gone, and it's laughable at that point. You're you're yeah. laughing at the character. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is the same effect on me. Like when David Hess gets shot in the cock. After that, everything he does, I'm not laughing at him all the way through it. And um, I think that's, on some level, whether or not that's deliberate or not, I think there's a bit of fucking weird genius about that. Um, In terms of being on the list, this is difficult for me um, because, like I say, there is graphic rape in this. There is a woman being cut up and sexually assaulted. There is the implication of, you know, rape, whether it's... You could take it as being rape, or you could take it as being consensual. Mm-hmm. These things, to me, push it very much towards that should be on the list. I think I'm going to agree with you. The execution of it, I think, is what probably pulls it down just under that needing to be on the list. I would probably say it doesn't deserve to be on the list, but it definitely, definitely needs community service. What about I, yourself? List or no? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the, the thing like the rape, and that did did cause you know was it kind of a problem to me <clears throat> when i'm deciding whether i should put it on the list or not i mean usually i'd kind of wait until we've had a chat and then i decide but i've got a rough idea of what i'm going to do um but just because in hindsight like she is totally up for it with him so i don't think initially i thought oh fucking hell, it's blurring the lines here between kind of rape and consent by the time the film is finished i don't think it i don't think it's any long it's no longer doing that for me mm-hmm. um so i know and like i said before just because of the the execution of some of the scenes and just kind of the the the, the tone shift and i know it's kind of a trait of these mondo movies where they kind of do this they lure you into this false sense of security and then like something terrible happens and then it's a bit whimsical and there's some funky music and then something terrible happens but for me it's just not executed well enough to deserve the list uh, mm-hmm. so no, no it doesn't Cool, cool. So um, it was a slightly longer conversation, but I actually think this movie deserves that longer conversation. I think when, yeah. you're, when you're discussing Diodato, I think you can put a bit more time into a review of his movie. And this is the second and final movie on the list. He has no more movies on the list. No, um, so yeah, it's, it's, from his point of view, though, both of his movies ended up on the prosecuted side. So. He was doing something right or wrong. Um, So yeah, we're going to take a a short break. You're going to hear another promo for our uh, show on Horophilia. Um, You're going to hear some learned words talking about uh, uh, I Spit in Your Grave, which I will be coming back to discuss 
right after this break. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a like? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horophilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. I Spit on Your Grave, which is a very, very bizarre movie. I, I was actually growing up in Birmingham when I first saw this movie. And um, I saw it in the ball ring and I, was, I thought, my God, what an incredible cover. And little did I know at that time that this was one of the most, or soon to be one of the most controversial video nasties ever released here. For some reason in America in the 1970s, we had a whole slew of very controversial but significant rape and revenge movies. We're talking about films like Lipstick, Death Weekend, Miss 45. But by far the most controversial rape and revenge film made in this decade was Meazaki his debut movie, I Spit on Your Grave. We're well aware of the controversies that surround I Spit on Your Grave in the UK. Uh, it's also interesting to note that it already had a wave of controversy in the US, particularly scathing reviews from American film critic Roger Ebert, uh, who called it a vile bag of garbage, a diseased and a depraved product. And what had uh, been so traumatic to Ebert were the kind of pivotal rape scenes that occupy the central part of the movie. Ebert's comments were very much overshadowed by the controversy that surrounded the film's release in Britain in the uh, early 1980s. Take off your clothes. I don't like women giving me orders. I spit on your grave. What you are about to see did happen. I spit on your grave. This woman will soon cut, chop, break, and burn five men beyond recognition. And there isn't a jury in this country that will convict her. And welcome back. So this is movie review number two on episode number nine of Doing the Nasty. This one up. I Spit on Your Grave from 1979, uh, a.k.a. Day of the Woman. Um, I prefer I Spit on Your Grave as a title. Um, I believe he changed it later on. I think I originally got released as Day of the Woman, okay. and it was changed to I Spit on Your Grave, which I was doing when I was doing a bit of research on where the name came from. Um, apparently there's a French play called I Spit on Your Grave, but I don't know the ins and outs of what that's about. I don't know if that's rape, revenge or whatever. You can never right. tell with the French. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, director Mir Zarchi. Yep. Um, 
he uh, he directed the the, the shit out of this movie in my opinion um, the the synopsis for this movie is listed on the IMDb's uh, an aspiring writer is repeatedly gang raped humiliated and left for dead by four men whom she systematically hunts down to seek revenge and I think that's pretty much a spot on trailer for this movie um, yeah. now I had been turning this over in my head all day today after watching this movie um, two nights ago, as how best to approach talking about this movie, okay. um, it's it's not. It's, I think, uh, yeah, we could talk about the the revenge on the other end of this movie at great depth, and I think that's the catharsis to this movie. I think yeah. that's you know certainly. What kind of you could argue maybe justifies the the amount of rape at the beginning of the movie? I don't necessarily think it does. I think this movie is heavily exploitative on this rape aspect at the beginning. Now you did a mi- a minute count. Now I have a I have what I have a rough idea as being okay. how much rape lasts in this movie. I would be interested to see how far out I am. I thought it was about seventeen to eighteen minutes of rape. Okay, well, her entire ordeal, I basically started the clock when they are chasing her in the boat. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they, they basically attach the, her, her boat to their boat, and then they tow her to shore, don't they? And then they, yeah. that's when they rape her for the first time. So from, from her, them basically towing her boat into shore to the point where she's left for dead and Matthew comes back to kill her but doesn't is 26 minutes. Jesus now, Christ. There's obviously there's there's you know, we're not she's not attacked for the whole twenty six minutes, but what's really kind of worse is that she's left and then she's attacked again and then she's left again and then she's attacked again when they're in her house. Yeah. So the actual ordeal is twenty six minutes. On screen rape's probably less than ten. Um, but the 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 fact that it's it, the for her it's an ordeal because and for the audience, you think she's finally got rid of these guys and then they come back and that happens twice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fucking brutal, like 26 minutes. I mean, I actually thought it was longer, to be honest, like, because I, I, I was expecting about 40 minutes of in total, um, but believe me, like 26 minutes, it feels like about an hour when you watch it. It does, it does. And, I mean, I, the, the only other thing I can liken it to is, have you ever seen Irreversible? Yeah. Yeah, and there's a rape sequence in that that goes on 20 minutes plus, and it is one of the most horrific, uncomfortable things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I went to, <laughs> I've got a quick story about that. I went to France. Um, my brother lives in France. Mm-hmm. And I went to France uh, to stay with him for a few weeks. I'd broken my wrist, and I'd like, been through a nasty breakup with someone, so I can't. Not, they're not connected. I was going to France anyway. <laughs> I broke my wrist playing squash and thought, well, fuck it, I'll, I've got a sick note from work, I'll stay in France for a bit. Anyway, so me and my brother just literally spent a few weeks just watching films, which was great, and he said, have you ever seen this? And I went, no, I've never heard of that. And he popped it on, irreversible, and fucking hell, like, that rape scene is just brutal. It's not what I needed, to be honest, I was there to no. cheer up. <laughs> and like, at one point, I went, oh, I can't watch any more of this, I'm going to go and make a cup of tea. Right, my brother at the time lived on a bus, which is <laughs> it was basically an old London school bus that he drove to France and converted it so it's like a motorhome inside. Mm-hmm. So he went to make a cup of tea, and basically the lounge where the telly was and the kitchen is just sectioned off by like a small wall. So I could still hear the rape, 
in yeah. the kitchen, even though I couldn't see it. And I think hearing it was even worse. Worse, yeah. Than fucking seeing it. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think irreversible probably trumps it for the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's got, it's got the yeah, it's got the worst on-screen rape ever. But, but I that's think just I think of its time. It's you know the more modern you know yeah. older stuff doesn't seem to be as bad. You know they've kind of almost perfected the art, haven't they? By irreversible and the, yeah, the French I, I think good at brutality anyway. They are indeed, but when you look at what they've done in this movie in 1978, is unlike. I mean, we have talked about. And every episode of this show, and we're going to be talking about it three times on this show, is on-screen rape. Yeah. Um, none of them. None of any of them, in my opinion. And there are still films on the list I haven't seen before. I will be surprised if any of them come close to this. Yeah, I don't think they will. Just yeah. how horribly, horribly disturbing it is. Um, and... It lingers on it a long, long time. You're saying 26 minutes. To me, that's too long. That's yeah. far too long. Yeah. Um, and it's done, once again, very similar. It's a film technique. It's, it's the same technique that we went through when we watched Cannibal Holocaust, name-dropping that movie again. Yeah. Is your, our animal death there is to, is to sell the fake human violence on the screen. And it does. totally works. It's a psychological thing. It works. The horrible horribleness of the rape at the start of this one is basically the vehicle to make you get behind this character that when she does what she does to these men we are we, we are no longer in this position where we're like well you know just go to the police or whatever like that we're like no you need to kill these people you need to kill these people cannot these people will never face justice you know, sitting in a prison cell is not justice for what these people have done to you. No, these people need totally. to die. And just just to give people kind of an idea of the the rape, like the first rape, I think is quite clearly a vaginal rape. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is anal, and you can tell yeah. by the way she screams and by the way she's got blood running down the legs afterwards. To the point where then, what really fucking disturbed me is later on when she thinks she's going to get raped again. She says, "Look, you've really, I'm really in pain. I'm hurt down there. Can I use my hand instead?" Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, like for me, it's so fucking realistic. You know, almost yeah. bargaining with your rapist. Like, I'm like, please don't do it again down there because you've already really damaged me. Yeah. Like, can I use my hand instead? And like, that's just fucking sends chills for me. Like, as 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 absolutely as as horrific as as absolutely horrific. And um, like I said, there's no way. There are things that happen in this movie after this, which you could maybe argue potentially put this. On the video nasties list, I don't think anything that happens in this movie even compares to the first, the first half of this movie. The first half of this movie is the most disturbing shit you're likely to have seen up to this point by '78. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I dare say there'll be underground movies and stuff like that that maybe, maybe had more going on. But if ever, if ever there was a movie that probably should have been banned in 1978. I spit in your grave is probably that one. I think yeah. just because of it's, it's very difficult for a director to make the case that he needs as much rape in this movie. Um, I, I I just think it's is is appalling. Is like I I forgot and I've seen this movie several times. Okay. Um, I saw it when it first got released back in the UK um, after the ban uh, in two thousand and two. 2002 yeah. I think okay. it was uh, I was working in a video store um, this movie came out I knew of it by reputation uh, I knew what the reputation was I took it home and watched it that night and I felt ill 
like really, really, really ill. Yeah. Um, and I foolishly told my friends about it, who then asked me if I could rent it out for them because okay. I got free movies at the time. Yeah. Uh, which we did, and then we watched it as a group. All of us fell ill. Um, I then saw it a couple of years later again. Um, as part of a, it was like a film thing that was that, that was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, I saw it again then. I've seen I've seen this movie maybe seven or eight times. It has been several years since I saw it, and sitting back down to watch it, um, I think this movie is just as powerful today as it's ever been. Yeah. Which is why when we go to briefly touch on the remake, you'll hear why I don't like the remake. Um, I I just think. I mean, we should touch on what, what she goes on to do. Basically, she goes on systematically. She cleans herself up, she gets herself back in a position where she's set out a very clear idea of what she's going to do. Yeah. And she seduces and ultimately murders the people that have done this to her. Um, there's a very famous scene in which she basically chops a guy's cock off yeah. um, when he's in the bath, which is... I think there's something... You know how we talk about not seeing something makes it worse? Yeah. I think had we seen his cock be sliced off like Cannibal Holocaust, I don't think it would have the same impact no. as the scene, the way it's shot. The and jet just of that, blood is better. That, just that, that the, the, you know, the, the jet of blood and, and then the realisation of what she's done uh, and then his realisation of what she's done yeah. is fucking chilling. Uh, it really is. I mean, it, it, I'm shivering, like, fucking thinking about it. Um, and, I mean, there's I think even the acting in this movie is actually not bad considering the style of movie it is. Yeah. Um, we have this kind of simple guy who spares her life, who can't kill her, who won't kill her. Um, and his interactions with her, I think, are... are are really one of the more interesting aspects about the movie, and this is why I would argue the case that it's not just this movie is not just exploitation. There is actual there's good filmmaking here. There's good storytelling here. Mm. Yeah, it, the movie's pivoted on the, the 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 excessive rape at the start, but it's it's beyond that. There's you know there's there's many calls once again that this movie is completely misogynistic. I say to people that say that you can't fucking say that because look what no. the female character does. Yeah, it's the same people that cry that the woman is a misogynistic movie, and I'm like, you can't fucking say that. Look what she does in the movie. She, it's she, not. She, it's not misogynistic. I don't think because it's not glorifying the no, rape. I, I never, never glorifies way. rape. Never glorifies the rape. Um, I have been talking a lot about this movie. Um, I'm going to let you talk about this movie. Uh, yeah, talk about it. <laughs> Right, I mean, it, it's for me. Like, what's great about it is that it starts off quite innocent because you don't. It's not immediately obvious that these guys are any kind of a threat to her. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like two of them look almost a bit goofy playing some game with a knife where they throw the knife into the ground and like they, you know, they step in further and further with one foot and like they both, you know, they fall over eventually. It's like they're just kidding around. Obviously, the main guy is just a gas attendant, and he's not particularly creepy or particularly sleazy or making like remarks to her or anything. You know, it's, she just kind of you know pulls into town, kind of introduces herself, and she you know sort of goes on her way. And I think what the most for me, one of the most disturbing kind of aspects of this film is that we kind of find out that the rapists all seem to really have this sense of entitlement, especially Johnny, the yeah. main character justifies it almost to himself is you know you were dressed a certain way you were walking up and down showing your legs off to me what do you expect 
you know, it's that sense of entitlement. I, you're an attractive lady with not many clothes on, and I'm a man, so you should, you know, I, you, you've got to expect me to rape you, haven't you? What, what do you expect is going to happen? You know, and it's that kind of mentality. Scary how that's not really moved on that far in 2015. Right, I totally don't fucking think it's moved on. In fact, I think it's far worse today, right? I think women are so sexualized in today's media mm-hmm. that we're consciously and subconsciously programmed to think that women are literally just a piece of meat right mm-hmm. for the taking. And some women argue that being, you know, appearing kind of with the tits out and everything, oh, it's really empowering for a woman. No, it fucking isn't. It's not empowering because all you're shown to be is a pouting face and a pair of tits and an ass. There's no intelligence. There's not a person in there. We're not thought to think that these women on these billboards are people. They are just a fucking pair of tits and a pretty face. And that's even worse today. I think people almost think that they've got a right to to ogle over women, shout things to women when they walk past in the street. And uh, it's the media's fault. It's totally the media's fault. You know, like, I signed a petition the other day about these sexualized billboards of just a woman in a bikini asking if you, if, are you ready for the beach? Something like that. Is your body beach ready? And I just think, like, fucking hell, it's almost like we've gone backwards as a society, you know, like yeah. as far as like the equal rights movement and things for women are concerned, it's like women are literally, and I don't know if it's like a conscious thing by the media, but yeah, women are just portrayed as just bimbos. I mean, like music videos are fucking horrendous for that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just gonna, I'm going on a bit of a rant now, but like <laughs> just music videos, like especially like rapper, like rappers and like the women they have in their videos, like they're nothing more than just fucking sex objects and. Well, I'm seeing it. I see just now, and we were talking about this off air. Uh, even we've got a, an election coming up in this country really soon. Um, the first minister of Scotland, uh, our first first minister is female. Yeah. Um, and the way the media has portrayed her is is pretty fucking horrible, including one image of her superimposed over Miley Cyrus from a wrecking ball video wearing right. a tartan bikini. Okay. Um. You know, and I'm just like that. Would that ever happen? Would you ever see that on a male politician? Would you ever see the prime minister with that done to him? No. Well, no. So but why is ever- why is it okay? Why is it okay? Well, that's it. I mean, would you ever? Where would you ever see a product, whatever product it is, advertised with a woman pouting and licking at it? If it, yeah. would you see a man? You just you'd fucking piss yourself laughing if you yeah. saw like I don't know. They hold up an ice cold drink. And instead of a really sexy pair of woman's lips, it's just a bloke with a moustache going to like lick, lick at the side of the glasses, the condensation's running down. You would piss yourself laughing if it was a man because it's ludicrous. But when it's a woman doing something like that, people are so like baffled by their primitive brain, like they're so like taken over by their, you know, their animal instinct. They go, oh, fucking hell, look at that. Ooh. And it's like, well, no, mate, come on. Like we're in fucking 2015 now. You shouldn't be being confused and baffled by an attractive woman on a poster because yeah. if it was a man like it just doesn't work like that and like you say they wouldn't do that to a male politician no but they get away it, with it with a female it's insane it is it's, 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 it's so insane and i mean if you look at i mean i've like heard some interviews of uh, camille keaton uh, you know our, our, our victim in this movie a very very intelligent woman and she understands exactly what the filmmaker was aiming to do and what the filmmaker achieved from doing in the movie. And I think that's wonderful, you know, that, that, that she she understands her place in history when it comes to this movie. Yeah. Um, I think I think those are the things that I, I think 
are quite interesting. She like is an intelligent lady. You know, I mean, she's not just a like you see like a pair of tips in the movie that mm. is there for that. And I think her performance in this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. I think the way even the way her interactions with the the, the simple character. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's fascinating because you generally wouldn't see that in a movie like this. You know what no. I mean? No. And I think it's quite a, a ballsy move to do as a director to try and put those sort of things in where she actually shows him on some level, you know, a bit of tenderness and at the same time, it's not just purely for manipulation. I think she genuinely feels sorry for the character and understands that he's the reason that she's still alive. Yeah, I think she does, and like he's the only one I kind of feel sorry for because he is for you know he's he's a very low intelligence. I mean, I don't know if he's special needs. I don't know exactly what's supposed to be wrong with him, mm. but he's obviously got some kind of learning difficulties where he's operating basically at the age I'd say of a, of a small of a small child in his mind. Yeah. So he doesn't really know what's doing. I mean, he kind of knows right from wrong because obviously he doesn't kill her, but yeah, he's the only one I kind of feel is taken for a ride. The others. Like I say, it's sort of terrifying this sense of entitlement, especially Johnny. He's obviously the brains of the bunch, isn't he? And the, yeah. other two, the other two are kind of a bit lesser, well, far lesser intelligent. And then you've got Matthew, who's just basically operating at the level of a child. But like I said there, just before I went on my rant, he, you know, he says, you know, if you're going to walk around in front of me with your legs out, then I'm going to fucking rape you. And, and I don't know if that, because what basically happens is that the way she gets to most of the guys is that she uh, goes on to seduce them. Yeah. And that's how she kind of gains their trust and gets close enough to them to be able to, to, to you know, exact her revenge. And I think that's realistic. I was kind of torn. I was thinking, I don't know if that is realistic, that someone that you've be, you basically left for dead and raped would you then get in the car with the thinking that she's going to have sex with you? I don't know if that just kind of reinforces just the subpar intelligence of the characters that we're dealing with. Even Johnny, who's meant to be kind of the smarter one, I don't know if he'd fall for that. I think he would. I think in the in this movie, it's, it kind of works. It does work that he's stupid enough to actually believe that she genuinely wants to have sex with him. What do you think about that? Does that ring kind of realistic for you? I, th- I think I think it's, it's it comes back to that point you were saying where I think they just I think the the characters themselves look down on this woman in such a way that they I think they just don't think that she has the capability for vengeance in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they because she's a woman. Women are only good for having sex with. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and look how dr- she's she's dressing that way because she wants me to have sex with her, mm. um, even if she says no, even if she struggles. Yeah. Um, and I think that's. I think she knows that as her character. I think the fact that he says that, and there's pretty much a clear statement that she knows exactly how she's going to get them back. Yeah. And I don't feel it's too much of a. I know what you're saying. Generally, I would think it's too much of a stretch. Think today I think, that wouldn't work. No, definitely not. But I think in in the, you know seventy eight, seventy nine when this came out, I think, and and because we've been set up to believe that these are kind of backwards, not very intelligent people, yeah, he would fall for that. He is fucking stupid enough mm-hmm. to to fall for that because it's understandable that Matthew falls for it, um, but the fact that Johnny falls for it and the other guy to some extent, I think, yeah, you're a fucking pair, you're a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. You are totally just a, fun, a fucking bunch of idiots and. You know, they only overpower her by the sheer numbers. You know, it's four against one, you know, and she's a woman and it's four kind of relatively, you know, well-built guys. 
you know, in the intelligence stakes, she fucking beats them every time. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like they are just these fucking dumb, dumb bastards that kind of get what's coming to them. Oh, she's an intelligent woman as well. I mean, she comes yeah. from. She's she's not she's not she's not working class as a character. She's you know middle class as a character. She's very well educated, and you know even even her occupation is is something which these guys don't understand. Um, so I mean, I think that's that plays to her credit as as her character arc as well as that kind of fits in with that. You know, she she would be intelligent enough to think of this idea. She would be intelligent enough as a character to plan out this this kind of overarching mm. revenge story. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this comes out. I mean, this does fall into this, the the subgenre, and there's a lot of this in the seventies of the rape revenge. Mm. Um, this is probably the most infamous one um, by quite a bit and being on the nasty list didn't necessarily hinder its reputation if anything it shone a giant spotlight like I say and we mentioned it earlier on there was the case with the video rapist in the UK um, and how that all spanned out of it and the newspapers ran with you know I spit in your grave is the video that Made pe- made a man rape people, um, because he watched it. So I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's insane. It's insane. But once again, have we moved that far? On I mean, metal music is still blamed for for kids doing school shootings. Violent video games are still blamed for for kids acting the way they act. Violent movies are still. You know what I mean? Have we? I've probably not moved on at all. <laughs> these still these are still the, the blame. No one looks at how people are brought up. Nice. Um, you know the family environment. So I I, I can see that. I think um, uh, I think this movie to me. I think and I, I, I'm kind of conscious of time and stuff like that. Um, I think this movie to me is completely, completely justifiable for everything that people say about it, except the misogynistic thing. To me, this is this is a hard time movie and it is like so deserving to be on the list. I want to fucking nail the son of a bitch into the list. Yeah. So it can't be taken off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean it's it it's it, like you say, it totally holds up today as well. I think there's a lot of people, you know, that ask the question when a woman's right, well, what was she wearing? And I think, where's the fucking relevance? Like, if a guy's raped, do you go, what was he wearing? Was he muscly? Did he have a nice tan? Like, no one's asking yeah. what a bloke was wearing. And when a woman was raped, yeah, that's one of the questions people ask. And that's even a defence that people use in court. That's yeah, even yeah. a defence that a rapist were using in court. Yeah, but she was dressed in a certain way. So I think it echoes to today. Like, just, you know, brilliantly. It totally holds up. Like, everything in the movie is relevant to today. Um it's not really lost any of its power. Some of the acting is a little bit ropey amongst some of the four, but the acting, I think, amongst kind of Johnny is great. Uh, Matthew is is really well acted in it. She's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I totally agree. With that. I think it, this needs hard time. It's not as hard. It's not going to get as much time in prison as Cannibal Holocaust. I don't think <laughs> no, just because no, no, of no. the. <laughs> the spectrum of stuff that we're... Like, yeah, no one died in the making of this film. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, you know, you know, it's the stuff we're kind of shown in Cannibal Holocaust is such a plethora of vileness in that, whereas with this, although it's a very <laughs> long rape scene, uh, you know, as long as, although it's a very long and kind of drawn-out ordeal, it, it, it's just you know, one rape scene, but it's such a graphic and brutally realistic rape scene that alone gives it a hard time and that alone makes it on the you know it, it should be yeah it's totally on the list this is one of the movies that the list was created for mm-hmm. you know there's probably a handful you probably count on one hand the amount of films that should be on the list 
Yeah. And, and this is absolutely one of them. There's just one more thing I wanted to say. I thought it was funny, like, some of the characters make some fucking stupid decisions in this movie. I don't, oh, why, God, his, yeah. I don't know why his mate gets in the river to save, like, after his mate. Because I think, he, I thought, because he can't swim, but he was doing pretty well treading water. His he was mate, treading water fine, yeah. His mate can see that she is circling him on the boat. And obviously the main thing is that she could run you over with the boat. Mm. Or she could, you know, chop you up with the outboard motor blades. His mate jumps in. His mate's all right. His mate's safe on the shore. And he yeah. comes into the water. But again, that's not unbelievable because these are idiots. Yeah, these yeah, they are. They are. They're they're, they're, the characters are morons. And just one more funny thing at uh, the end. She's got the worst lady run I've ever seen. <laughs> at the beginning, when she first gets to the lake, before any of the horribleness has happened... She kind of realises that where she is, she's near a lake, and she goes, oh, lovely, I'll have a quick dip. She like, and the way she runs to the lake, I was pissing myself. I've never seen window wiper hands. Like, oh, you've, you've not been watching enough Steven Seagal movies, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Steven Seagal runs. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I run, too, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that made me laugh. So a little bit of levity there. The, the funniest window wiper run I've ever seen. Um but apart from that, once that's happened, this film is you've got to set up. Yeah, yeah there's, there's not a lot of humour after that. No, um, um. but the uh, the revenge is great. And I tell you what, like when she kills him, just that little couple of seconds shot that we get to see of his blood-drained body and how stony grey his body is drained of blood, I think is so realistic and brilliant. Because that's something you do not see in programmes. Even modern-day programmes, bodies are not pale enough. Right, like the end of yeah. Sons of Anarchy, when we get to see Gemma's body at the house, she would be fucking grey. Right, when the blood is drained from someone's body, they are literally grey. And this is one of the only films where I've truly seen how accurate that is portrayed. Yes, he looks fucking drained of blood, and I think that's a brilliant little shot. It's only a couple of seconds, but you think fucking hell, like he's bled out there in a in a brutal, brutal way. So, yeah, I mean, the revenge is awesome in this. Because I wasn't sure if the revenge was going to be bad enough. Mm-hmm. The ordeal that they put her through is so terrible. I mean, the other guys don't get as anywhere near as bad a deaths, but Johnny, the main guy, having your penis cut off and bleeding to death, it's got to be up there with one of the worst fucking ways to die I've ever seen. If you're a man, yeah, that's probably one of the worst ways to die. Because yeah. she, she, she basically... She... she she goes for the area that does the damage. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the, uh, you know, his entitlement, you know what I mean? His, you know, his, his weapon is what's, yeah. what's ultimately removed. And it is, it's, you know, I think it's, it's the most apt killing in this movie. Mm. Um, I just want to say that, um, harking back to something you said earlier on, I'm now going to run a campaign that says that doing the nasty podcast motto or mantra is a plethora of vileness. Um, I think that's a great slogan for this show. Yes. Um, and and very very briefly, very very briefly, or just like in a couple of sentences each, touch on the remake, right? Because you like the remake, and like a lot of the reasons you've justified liking the original, I don't think. Yeah, I like the, the remake, remake at all. Uh, it, no, it doesn't. I like the remake as a standalone movie. See, the remake right. falls down with the fact that they are vile bastards from the beginning. You know they're up to no good. 
Um, I think the rape scene is just as it's fucking brutal in the remake. I think it's really well done. It's really well acted. It's, I think it's got just as much power. Where it falls down is these guys are, are serial rapists who do this a lot. They're a group yeah. of people. They do this often. Um, and obviously the the killings at the end is very sore. It's a very set up movie. But for me, I kind of I enjoyed that. Like when if you're comparing the remake to the original, it's fucking no, it comes nowhere near close. But as a kind of a good, nasty, gore, you know, kind of uh, brutal rape revenge with some really good inventive deaths. You know, it's, it's it's the inventive deaths that we want to see in the Friday the Thirteenth movies. You know, that kind of yeah, yeah. It's interesting killings, some really nasty characters, and they are. And I think it's quite well acted. The remake, I think, all the actors. So the, the, the acting is actually of a. I would say the the characters that commit the the rape are of a higher standard of acting yeah it's just that her revenge at the end for me it's like it's, it's nowhere near as realistic it's just not realistic yeah. that's that's what i think that's that's one of my the, the you hit the nail on the head when you keep talking okay. about the characters and their their, their past to me instantly t- takes me on some level out the movie i don't think she's a really well developed character either no, she's um not, no. I, I, which I think is like if you're going to have a rape revenge movie, the the focus needs to be on the strong female character. And I think they kind of drop the ball, and what I think they do is they turn a rape revenge movie into a torture porn movie. Yeah, and I think that's my biggest gripe with it is like it feels like a very, especially the the, the end sequences, the the setups and all the rest feels like I'm I'm watching it going. Am I watching Hostel now, or am I watching? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of it kind of delves into that line where I think. I spit in your grave, and I'm not saying it's the most intelligent movie in the world. Um, there's just something about how movies were made in the 70s, which is just a bit more care to something like this. Is It goes a long way. goes a long yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I would probably watch the remake again sooner than I watched the original is because, for me, the original is 80% disturbing, 20% entertaining, and the remake is 80% entertaining and probably 20% yeah. disturbing. So for me, if I just want to see a bit of brutality where I kind of go, yeah, he's fucking got what's coming to him, I'd stick on the remake just because I don't have to sit through as much kind of awkwardness and, oh, God, this is horrendous before yeah, I get yeah. to the good stuff. But as a movie, the original is a fucking brilliant film. It's, to- mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's one of those ones that totally deserves to be on the list, but it's, it's, it's on the list because it's fucking believable and it's real yeah. and it's brutal. And like you say, it holds up today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we're going to take a very short break. We're going to come back and talk about one of the most ludicrous films on the list so far. <laughs> uh, oh dear God Almighty! Um, yeah, you're going to hear some. <laughs> you hear a promo for a show on the network. You're going to hear learned people talk about a really silly film. Uh, and when we return, Andy's going to kick us off talking about a Greek exploitation movie that's something you're not going to hear often yeah. uh, Opa, um, we're going to be talking about Island of Death oh, right after this break yeah. oh my god God have mercy on our souls Andy oh yeah there are many mysteries in this world and whether you believe or not believe we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network. 
Island of Death was also known as Island of Perversion. And in the trailer you're about to see The Devils of Mykonos. Of course it was filmed on Mykonos um, and it certainly fosters the image of Greece as a place where men are men and sheep are scared. This is a very kinky movie, um, as you might guess. It was directed by Nico Masterakis, who apparently wrote the script in a single week. And we have to ask, what took him so long? But I will say this, it is one of those weird little movies which is so kinky that you can see why they put it on the nasties list. It's a nice and sleazy movie, just the way we like them. Dieser Film wird Ihnen schlaflose Nächte bereiten. Wir warnen Sie, Sie kommen. Die Teuflischen von Mykonos. Die Teuflischen von Mykonos. Das ist ein Ende, mein Freund. Die Teuflischen von Mykonos. Ein junges Paar zwischen Perversion und Wahnsinn glaubt im Namen Gottes, Sünder bestrafen und töten zu dürfen. And welcome back. So this is our third movie of the evening and a bit of levity, I think, after the uh, bit heavy kind of previous two films that we've watched. This is Island of Death <laughs> from uh, 1976, uh, filmed and shot in Greece, um, released initially in November 82 and then added to the list a year later in November 83. This is a fucking strange one. I've made quite a lot of notes on this. Uh, we want to be brief because obviously we talked about the other far superior films for a lot longer than probably we normally would. Um, so this one we are going to rattle through it a bit. I mean, this opens up with kind of, they're a couple. You don't really know what the connection is, but they're a couple uh, that we get introduced to. Alarm bells are ringing straight away when the guy rings his mum so he can hear her shagging his missus. In a telephone box. A weird He's like, can you hear this, Mum? Oh, that's mm, weird. Mm, that's... Mm, mm. oh, Jesus. I thought, what is, what's going on here? And then, like, I mean, the guy's obviously nuts. He goes, he, he goes berserk at a guy in a restaurant because he thinks she, he thinks he might be thinking about his missus. Yeah. Then he invites him over. Come and join us, mate. And I'm thinking, right, okay, what's going on here then? He then gets annoyed at some other woman for cheating on her husband. I'm thinking this guy's one judgmental tosser here, isn't he? Just getting livid at everyone, just getting really annoyed at people. Like they then go to sleep. These two, we're just kind of following him around, aren't we? Around this like Greek island. Um, yeah. In the morning, he tries it on with his missus, who we think is his missus. She's not up for it, so he just goes outside and shags a local goat. Now, I'd <laughs> yeah, probably I'd, uh... masturbate first. That'd be Plan B. I don't know where plan the goat would be on my plan scale of things that I'd do if my missus wasn't up for it. The goat is the, the goat is quite indifferent. Have you ever seen have you ever seen the, the, the Paris Hilton sex video? Uh yeah. You know how she kinda looks like she's just like filing her nails and she couldn't give a fuck? Um the goat's kinda in yep. that position as well. The goat's kinda looking off to space going, Ah, hopefully it'll be finished soon. I'll get back to tune some It's finished pretty quick, but like then he kills he kills the goat, and I thought, why are you killing it? He's not going to tell anyone. Like, why? I don't know if he felt we need... Like, it looks like he was quite happy, to be honest. Like, so you're just thinking, I don't know what's happening with this guy. Like, you know, he's obviously a very... 
bizarre human being that we're following around. We then kind of see him in some like weird stealth photographer mode, mm-hmm. where he's just like stalking around the island with his with his camera, like he's in some kind of war zone, isn't he? Like it's so weird. And then like he catches his missus talking to the guy that they met earlier, who told who told her to impress her that he was a painter. Now we forgot to mention and decorator <laughs> in that. It's the least glamorous. He's not thing, an artist. Yeah, I thought, why are you telling people you're a painter? Because like you're fooling them into thinking you're an artist when you're really just a painter and decorator. Like it's like once right in my job because I. <laughs> oh God! He's being economical with the truth. I was um in my in my job. I come across people that are like applying for other jobs, and one of the most amazing ones that I saw once. They basically, the job title was ceramic technician and it was toilet cleaner. <laughs> and they called it ceramic technician. I thought, oh, that is so wonderful. Like, are you going around telling people in the pub that you're now a ceramic technician when you're really oh. just cleaning toilets? Because that's what this guy's doing. But then, like, she shags the painter guy. Like, you know, obviously, so we kind of get the impression then that these people are in this open relationship, although the fellow prefers farmyard animals. At least yeah. she's going for humans. <laughs> um, but then the husband finds out, I'm calling him a husband. We'll, talk, we'll say at the end what he really is. It's not a husband at all, is it? He crucifies Painter Guy, literally, and she helps. So you think there's some kind of like mental Bonnie and Clyde sort of natural born killers type of vibe, isn't it? Yeah, and they're just going around like seducing people, murdering them. It's a bit like sightseers, isn't it? That uh, thing. Yeah. But obviously, this came you know thirty years, forty years before that. So they're clearly fucking mental. In case you hadn't already guessed it from like watching the movie. And then we go to this amazing party of this flamboyant fellow they met earlier. And I'd always wondered what happened to Mark Almond when he finished off. <laughs> I'm giving up soft sale. Yeah, I'm going to be in, a movie. in Greece and throw parties. Um, and then they like they go right. We're going to have to kill him because he's gay. And I'm thinking, you're killing him because he's gay. You've just had sex with a goat. Yeah. What kind of warped principles have you got? He even says, right, the Lord punishes perversion. So homosexuality is apparently perverted, but having sex with animals is fine in this guy's crazy world. Well, no, that's that's why he kills no, that's why he kills the goat though. And in, in the Bible, if you sleep with an animal, the animal is punished, not the human. What? What kind of what? <laughs> that's no logic. And 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 the Bible uh, it is man must man must not lay down with beast. I think, but if that does happen, the beast is punished. Well, don't. There's, what do you mean? This, you there's there's fucking am- dude. If he there does, are, there are amazing. There's a really good podcast called Criminal. This right. is the only reason I know about this. Criminal um, does they do like a podcast a month, and it's a series of short journalistic cases where they look into things, and they looked into. A series of old court records okay. from like the seventeen and eighteen hundreds of animals being prosecuted for seducing people. Okay. So the animal was put on trial, like in a court. For seducing. For seducing people. And um someone would have to defend the animal. So really? they would have to have like a, a human defending the animal and a human prosecuting the animal. <laughs> it was oh, making sexy hell? eyes with like... me. Uh, but you know, so yeah, so the animal the animals because a man can be forgiven his sins, an animal can't. In the Bible, anyway. I don't believe in the mumbo-jumbo. But uh, that's, that's why he kills the animal, I think. 
I think that's uh, why I, I think because basically he's going through all these taboos from the Bible, all these perversions from the Bible. So homosexuality, you die. Adultery, you die. Um, bestiality, exactly. the animal dies. So he's, he's going through. This seems to be his kind of warped sensibilities. So I didn't realise that's what he was doing, the guy. So he's going through all the perversions, is he? Is that? Yeah, I think I think basically what you get in this is you get his justification, himself and his significant other. Although once again, we're gonna we're gonna go into spoiler territory with that one. Um, are going place to place, inciting these sort of perversions in order to enact some sort of street justice on it. If if that's any way to really describe it, but um, yeah, so that's why that's why they killed it. I I think that is a justification for the killing of the animal. Okay, and like I say, that might that's a theory. That's a theory of mine because it would explain okay. his holier than thou personality later on, and when it pertains to adultery and homosexuality and and whatnot. She his like his missus seems to keep having these weird dreams though. I've noticed her orgasm face, her dream face, and yeah. her when she's killing people face, is they're all the same face. Yeah. <laughs> she, she pulls the same face when she's shagging, masturbating, having a nightmare. She keeps seeing this guy, though, in her dreams. Mm. Which is basically this crazed, kind of bearded, weird guy with his mouth open, contorted, kind of maniacally moving his head around. Yeah. Um... And I'm led to believe, and I, I I should have paid more attention uh, last night when I was watching it. Is that the did they bump into at the end? Yeah, I think it's right. That 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 makes that makes a lot more sense because I was like, is he supposed to? Because he's looking a bit better in real life than he does in dream life. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure, but I thought it's got to be him. It's almost like a premonition, isn't it? Yeah. So she keeps having these weird premonitions of of this guy coming after her. Um, so anyway, sorry, I cut you off. So uh, no, sorry, right. um, death just, to homosexuals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that, obviously we've got these weird principles. I mean, she she's going around just having sex with everyone she can find, including the barmaid. He's going around having a go on the local granny. Um, then he decapitates her with a JCB. Then, like a weird seventies version of Bill and Ted show up. <laughs> And they're weird to say the least. And then, like, she kills the lesbian who she's had a bit of a bit of action with. And then he does that like flamethrower deodorant thing on her. He's a yes. kid that's brilliant. Um, and then, like, I think just before that, we kind of meet their Ahab in the form of this like detective guy who's kind of tracking them down. Yep. So I get the feeling they're on the run in Greece from you know other horrendous crimes that they've committed. And then, like, the police are closing in, and I kind of like the music over them, like, trying to flee. I thought that was kind of stylistically sort of the best bit of the film, <laughs> which isn't saying much. Um, and then, like like you say, they bump into the guy who I think is the guy from her, like, nightmare and kind of take refuge with this guy. Um, he tries to rape her. Fella wakes up and grabs his camera and just starts, like, taking photographs. And like this is just a really piss poorly executed rape scene where like he's raping her, but he's obviously still got his trousers on, so it's kind mm-hmm. of has no impact whatsoever. And then this is really weird. Like the rapist guy beats her fella up, throws him over like a little wall, and he ends up in like a lime pit. But the next minute he's like waist deep in rocks. I don't know how you get waist deep in rocks unless you're like the duck from DuckTales that you can dive <laughs> through solid objects. And it's weird because he's like shouting help and it's almost like he's paralysed. I kept thinking, I kept shouting at the screen, just climb out, mate. Like, they're rocks. It's not quicksand. Like, just climb out. She and the rapist are mates now, apparently, and they start shagging. 
And then this is kind of when we work out that they're, this is the big twist, spoiler alert, they're, they're brother and sister. Yes. I was going to say that makes the opening scene of him ringing his mum even weirder when we yeah, find out. Yeah. That <laughs> you hear that? That's me pumping your daughter, and by the so way, there. I'm your son. Yeah, so that's weird, isn't it? So like the ringing, the, that makes the bit at the beginning of the movie even weirder that they ring their own, they, both of their mums so that she can like hear them shagging, which is just mental. Um, but then all of a sudden she kind of turns on him when she's met I mean you'd think it'd be the man of her dreams that she'd met but it's not it's the man of her nightmare that she kind of fucks her brother off for who she now couldn't care less for apparently he's still shouting to get me out of the lime pit and I still don't understand why he doesn't just climb out is it not because his legs have been tied together no I thought I thought he was hog tied I thought his legs were like tied together and when you know and then he was thrown over the Maybe I picked that wrong. I, th- I thought the I thought the guy had tied his feet together and then flung them into the pit. Oh, because I thought he he was like grabbing his camera, photographing them both raping her, and then they got into a bit of a fight, and he just throws them over the wall. Maybe, oh, right. I maybe he, he did because it would make a lot more sense. I I thought he'd beat him up and then dragged him outside and then tied his feet together and then. Oh well, that would make a, yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot more sense if he's done that. And and then basically while he's in the lime pit, like shouting for help, her and the rapist guy go for round two. Um, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a stallion. Um, we kind of pan to the guy, still can't get out of the lime pit. Her and the rapist still having sex, and then the film ends. I was going to say he panics because the because the lime isn't burning him. Lime lime is supposed to burn you, but lime isn't burning him because. It's not wet. Yeah, there's and then no it moisture starts to raining, doesn't it? Starts raining at the very end, and we hear his screams as we assume his flesh is being eaten away by a lime. And like you say, movie ends, and we're left with this overwhelming feeling of what the fuck. Yeah, I mean, the script was written in a week for this. <laughs> oh, that that long? <laughs> yeah, two days. I would have thought. <laughs> It's yeah. So, it's, oh, what do you, I mean, I think I don't think I need to say any more than that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a really weird collection of uh, right to put things into perspective. Doing a wee bit of the digging here, um, th- this director actually went on to have a fairly successful career after this. Okay, uh, I don't think he looks back fondly on this movie, but his principle is it made him money, and that's what he wanted. The movie made him the money to make yeah, him I mean, make the not, movies that wanted. It's not a boring film. No, right from the start, happens. this movie hits the ground running. Good at that. Um, what did you think um, yeah. in terms of? I mean, we talk about all the the violence and other movies. Um, that this this one has, like, when you watched the Cannibal Man, we complained that there was so little of the violence happening. And this movie, there's so much of it. Does yeah. so much of it make you more desensitised to it in the long run? Does it just get to the point where it's just a collection of kind of weird fucked up sequences and fucked up deaths and as a result of the so much, the quantity of it, um, it doesn't have the impact? No, I think it's more the execution again that lets it down. Mm-hmm. Just because I was laughing a lot and I think I'm not supposed to be. Like I don't think I'm supposed to be cracking up at all this ridiculousness. Like I'm laughing again, just reading through the you know the notes for tonight. It's just it could have been done well. I mean, something like Natural Born Killers is pretty relent, you know, relentless with its brutality. Like we just get exposed to these you know continuous scenes of them doing this crazy shit, and it kind of works in that film. And that's as ridiculous 
but it kind of works. It's just for me, the execution in this, it's just a bit dumb. Like, he's just so bizarre, it's almost laughable. Like, she is clearly crazy. So it's intriguing, like, because you think, oh, this is brilliant. Like, what, what the fuck? Is, who are these two people? Because they're just nutters. And, like, it is pretty brutal, like, in crucifying the guy and all that sort of thing. And, like, you know, burning someone with a, you know, makeshift flamethrower that you've made out of a lighter and a deodorant and stuff, it should be brutal. Like, mm -hmm. And on paper, it's brutal. But, again, as with so many of the films that we watch, on paper, are brutal. In reality, it's, it's almost like a comedy for me, this. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, yeah, it's just not that brutal at all. So I mean, if if I don't know, do you want to get to grading? Or have you got anything else you want to say? Um, just to, I'm just going to back up exactly what you've just said. I think the the execution is the big thing that lets this movie down. There are so many things in this movie that when you list out the deaths and the actions and what happens in this movie, you would think this would be this movie is absolutely appalling. Look at all the things that happen in it. None yeah. of them are really done with any real sort of of impact or talent or really good technique that they all come across as really weird. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a, a jigsaw puzzle where all the pieces don't fit, mm. and that's kind of like the overall movie. And the re the reveal at the end that she's her sister because I'm I'm assuming that's supposed to be another taboo on top of the film just feels yeah, like a really yeah, it just feels like a really shit ending and it doesn't make sense either because if these two are moral crusaders against people that are are doing all these things incest is one of the worst things you know yeah you know, it's it just it's really i don't know i don't i it's sloppy it's nonsense it's entertaining as all get out this is this is, is probably of the three films we've talked about this is def definitely the most entertaining in mm. terms of, it's just so much stuff happening. Yeah. But um, it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie at all. Yeah. Uh, in terms of grades, it's a slap on the wrist for me. Yeah. Um, because I mean, there still is, there still is death happening in there. There still is bestiality happening there. There still is mm. incest happening there. That I can't just say, you know, it's a case dismissed. It's not a case dismissed. Although the way it's handled is probably a case dismissed. The actual content of the movie itself probably gives it a slap on the wrists mm. and definitely not on the list. No. I mean, if you told people what was in this, you know, incest, I mean, there's a bit where they get a guy to, like, fillet a gun and then blow his brains out with it, um, you know, and then, like you say, there's goat shagging and then they slaughter the goat afterwards. You think, oh, my God, this is fucking brutal. But watch the film and like it's not. It's just it's it's almost plays out like a comedy. There's so many just like funny scenes in this. Like again, like we said before, it's it's a perfect example of someone when they wrote this film was thinking they were gonna do something really like almost groundbreaking with, with the, the subjects that they were gonna be touching on. Mm -hmm. But it just doesn't it just falls short kind of in every level. And it's fairly early on, I mean nineteen seventy five, it's pretty you know, this is kind of one of the older films, but yeah, it's, you know, I think so. It's seventy-five or seventy-six, mm -hmm. and it might have been shocking back then. Um, I don't think I it was, though. I, I'm trying yeah. to think of it this year. I'm trying to think that Chainsaw Massacre was out by then. Ah, true. So was well, Last House on the Left's about that as well. Yeah, no, that's true. So yeah, I, I just don't think maybe from a European market, maybe it had maybe in Greece. Mm. <laughs> but I don't think they hold the goat in high regard. <laughs> 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 so, 
So uh, no, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with you. It's, it's not, a, it can't, it's not case dismissed because there is bestiality, incest, and some quite brutal killings in it. Mm. But the execution, it just fails, unfortunately. So yeah, it's a slap on the wrist. It shouldn't have been on the list. I can totally see why people who haven't seen it think it should be. But as soon as you watch this movie, no, you'd go off a canal like no, sorry, we were, we were wrong. It shouldn't be on there. This is uh, a bit of a joke. Obviously, Arrow are going to release this in one of the. Well, they've released it. Yeah, they released it on DVD. You're going to find it. Div- well, it's been out in DVD for a while from Arrow, and and I have always seen it, and it's cheap. You can get it for fucking about three pound now Is on DVD reason? from Arrow, and uh, I am tempted. I'm very, very tempted to to spend the money to have it on Blu-ray and there are two reasons for this and you can call me a fucking lunatic uh, the one is that Graham Humphreys is doing the alternative artwork for it Okay, uh, I love that guy I think he's yeah. awesome he's, I, I'm now kind of I consider the guy a friend so yeah I'm kind of I'd like to support my friends uh, the second reason I don't know there's like every now and again Arrow releases something that I know I don't really I probably never really watch but for some reason I end up buying it for my collection Do you know and what? I don't know the why special features would be interesting if there's interviews with the director and stuff I'd be keen I'd be interested to see that mm-hmm. but I don't think I'd watch the film again <laughs> yeah what, what, what we'll do is um, between this uh, segment here and the next segment I'm going to play that clip of him basically talking about censorship yeah. from his from his soapbox. Um, we're going to take a very short break. Uh, when we come back after this uh, promo break, uh, we're going to be closing out the show right after this. Oh. What do I think about censorship? Ooh, tough thing. I'd like to think that it doesn't exist in any country anywhere in the world. To me, censors and the ones who appoint them are a medieval paramilitary authority which restricts expression, artistic or otherwise, and tells people, dictates to people what to watch and what not to. I am in favor of protecting children and minors from watching the inappropriate thing on video and on film, but I'm totally Uh, opposed to anyone telling adults what to watch. Uh, What happens in the UK right now with the board of film censors is to me totally medieval, is totalitarian, and it's stupid. Banana Laser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Banana Laser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man. I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? 
Yeah, and the ads should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on Horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. no. <laughs> Banana Laser wins every time. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast, episode number nine, where we have uh, covered reviews of <laughs> 1980s House on the Edge of the Park, 1978's I Spit on Your Grave, and 1976's Island of Death. Did you enjoy this week, Andy? Brilliant, yeah. I mean, the films I enjoyed as well because obviously a lot of the times it's because we really enjoy the conversations every week but uh it was it was great to re- to to properly watch uh i spit on your grave because although it was brutal it's really nice to sit and watch a fucking good film for this yeah. show because we don't get to do it very often um and then island of death was just really entertaining and even more entertaining to talk about so i think you've got to check out i spit on your grave if you've never seen it i think it's a highly recommend um it's a tough one to stomach um, and you know you you can you can fast forward through the rape if you want. You're not really missing out, I don't think. Um, obviously, some people will want to experience the full thing, and I did yeah. for the sake of this show. Um, but yeah, I just I think you've got to watch it. I think it's one of them ones like Cannibal Holocaust. However difficult it is to watch, I think you know if you're a horror fan, you need to have seen this movie because it's pivotal. It's got to be seen. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And uh, next week, Andy. Uh, we're kicking, we're kicking the show off with another heavy, heavy hitter. I know we are, yeah. Uh, uh, so next week it's Last House on the Left, the Wes Craven uh, uh, revenge, house invasion, home invasion. I've got the uh, the lovely three disc special edition. Ooh, sexy, sexy, yeah. sexy. Um, we'll also be doing Love Camp Seven, which I've never seen. No, but I imagine it's probably similar to Day of the Beast and the other stupid Hitler one that we watched the week. Was it Caligula reincarnated as hell? SS Porn Camp, or whatever it is. And the the last one is Madhouse, which I've also seen. Madhouse, I actually... When did I see I saw this within the last two years, and I actually quite liked this movie, so... um, kind of looking forward to, to, to doing that so that shall be dropping in two weeks time um, as always uh, feel free to leave us some feedback on the Facebook page um, I enjoy the conversations over there um, we have the usual suspects show up Mike Murphy Andy Clark uh, Jeff X Martin Vanessa um, I'm overjoyed that you're enjoying the show um, nine episodes in we're not that far off finishing the prosecuted list. No. Um, then we we recoup and then we we target the the non prosecuted list, which a lot of the movies on there, um, and not as offensively rapey. Um, no, but some some really good ones actually on there. Yeah, there's some r- fucking powerful powerful ones in there. I get to talk about the Beyond and Inferno, which are two of my favourite Italian horror movies of all time. Yep. So um can't fucking wait for that. Uh, so yeah, so we have got we've got a lot 
a lot of stuff still coming and um, yeah just remember leave us feedback on the Facebook page you can leave us feedback on iTunes uh, in the separate feed through Horophilia for, for doing the nasty podcast if you're enjoying it let us know how you would grade these movies if you've seen these movies what are your experiences with them? When was the first time you saw I Spit in Your Grave? Have you uh, ever seen the full uncut version? Do you fast forward through the rape bit? Um, are you sick of hearing us do reviews with movies with raping them? I'm kind of feeling sick myself of them. but uh, So yeah, come back and let us know. Um, so Andy, mm. I believe in the last two shows we have said that there's a, a big horror little podcast about to drop. And I've still not seen it. Is it in our future? It should be out by the time. I basically just haven't got around to editing it down and that. This is just my, you know, just laziness on my part and just oh, lazy, other, lazy. other things <laughs> getting in the way. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be out soon. It'll be on the page when it drops. I'll, uh, I'll let people know. But yeah, thanks for listening. I'm really enjoying doing this show. I think it's great. Um, like you say, we've had some really good feedback. Um, yeah, and I hope people are enjoying it. It's a good opportunity to watch these films because most of them I've never seen. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of them things as a horror fan. I think I'm going to kind of look back on this and it'd be nice to say that I've seen every single video nasty on the list. Um, Definitely. And obviously Definitely. the listeners kind of want to join in and come on that journey with us, and that's awesome. Yeah, Andy Clark is like hardcore. I know when it, it comes is, to yeah. this. Awesome. He was a bit distraught when, I, for some reason, I don't know why it was, I posted the link to um, House by the Cemetery. On YouTube, it was on YouTube in its entirety, and by the time he clicked on it, someone had discovered it and taken it down, <laughs> um, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah. But uh, I just want to acknowledge that our good buddy Jeff X Martin from Kiss the Goat stepped up, fixed it. Yeah, put his copy up in Dropbox. Um, I think it's still in Dropbox. If you if you want to check it, it might be there for the next week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still there if you want to check it out or download it quickly on your PC. Um, Alternatively, you can buy the region free Blu-ray for probably about seven quid delivered on Amazon. Yeah, and that's. I would advocate good. that. I would say buy it. Yeah, it's a great transfer. It's a gr- it's a lovely set. It's a three disc set for like mm-hmm. five quid plus postage. So awesome! Get yourselves over to Amazon and buy it. Otherwise, yeah, just check it out on Dropbox. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for that. He's some guy, some guy, our, our, our buddy Jeff. Um, so yeah, so um, like I always do at the end of the show, just to remind you that you can check out some more of my stuff over at the podcast under the stairs uh, through the website podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com on iTunes and also as part of um, Legion Podcast Network. Andy has Big Horror and Little Podcast, which you can listen to exclusively through um, the Legion Podcast Network as well. Uh, And remember, show some love to our brothers and sisters out there on Horophilia. Go and check out some of those shows. Some of those shows are completely fucking badass. Um, Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? Bye, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, please take care of yourselves. We're going to be back in two weeks' time for more nasties. Um, So take care until then. Bye, everyone. Bye. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.